Hello, I am Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're on Season 2, Episode 25, entitled 17 Seconds, which is a song originally sung by The Cure. Original air date, May 14th, 2006, written by Mark Wilding, directed by Dan Minahan, 22.6 million viewers, which is up from last week. Mm-hmm. So just briefly before we start, I have a little announcement. So just like we did at the end of season one, we're going to have a special podcast at the end of season two as well. So that's just in about three weeks we'll have that podcast where we talk about the entire season and we do some like character analyses and we have top 10, top uh, five lists. But this time we also want to add a section where we where we take questions from listeners And so if you have questions about season one or season two, just go ahead and send it in to us. You can do that either on Twitter. Our account is at Grey's Uncut or our Gmail, which is Grey's Anatomy Uncut at gmail.com. We really want to make sure we keep the questions to season one and two and or two if possible because we if we get like a season three question we can answer it privately but we won't answer it on the air because we're trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible Mm -hmm. yeah oh and um they don't have to be Grey's Anatomy questions either if you have any questions for us just in general like you know I don't know I can't even think of like what that how did we meet or something go ahead and uh what is wrong with you people (laughs) yeah what's wrong with you go ahead and send those in too so it doesn't have to just do with Grey's Anatomy if you're interested in something else that we are obsessed with maybe Taylor Swift you know we'll answer questions Taylor Swift (laughs) season two overview (laughs) yeah season two overview we tricked you bitches this is a Taylor Swift podcast (laughs) all right got any follow-up I do have some follow-up. Okay, so just a background on this episode. Grey's used to come on Sundays at 10 p.m. This episode actually did come on Sunday at 10 p.m., but the two-part season finale actually came on the next night at hmm. 9 to 11, which is so weird nowadays. I Like, that would be, like, completely... I don't even think that would happen now. They just changed the whole TV schedule for one show. I was gonna say, it show. would be hard because I feel like they were, like, all the other slots and stuff yeah like full unless they went one week later than all the other shows but Mm -hmm. still like i suspect that they did this because season two wasn't supposed to be this long and in order to finish the season in the same week as all the other tv shows they had to you know Mm -hmm. but i just that's kind of insane like tv shows now like most tv shows when they get a full season order it's 22 episodes, and then the network can decide if they want to add two more episodes. So that's what you see a lot. You mm-hmm. see a lot of shows that get anywhere from 22 to 24 episodes now. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, 27, super rare. Yeah. Yeah, this is a long season. So anyway, now that we have all that taken care of, you want to do your opening, or do you want me to do mine? All right, so my opening statement. This is kind of the episode that we've been waiting for since like episode 13 or whenever like, yeah that's when denny was introduced okay yeah 13 i thought that was i thought that was the right number but i wasn't sure <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think it's 13 but i'm not sure begin the begin like so much in this season has been building up to the moments 
of Izzy cutting Delvin. Delvin. <laughs> Denny. I combined Denny Delvin. and Elvad. <laughs> Denny's Elvad and all the implications of it. Because metaphorically, also, you have to remember that her cutting Denny's Elvad also kind of symbolizes the end of Addison and Derek. And so we kind of get that in this episode as well. I also feel like this episode brings up some really kind of interesting, like, politically, like, ethically charged topics. Like, we've got the whole kind of gun thing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. They definitely have a lot of, like, pro-organ donation, like, little speeches in this. You kind of have the ethic debate of AZ's decision, which... Mm. We might get into a little bit of episode, but we in this episode, but it, we might wait until next episode. We'll see because that's kind of when we get the falling out of all of that. Mm-hmm. Plus, Catherine Heigl just wow! Like there are there aren't words Mm-mm. to describe how she takes this episode. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean what Becca said last week is true in a way. This episode is quote unquote better than the finale in certain aspects. Obviously, the finale provides resolution to some things, and it shows, like, the audience where we're headed in the future. But this episode just has scene after scene of characters finally saying what they need to say. It continues to raise the stakes higher than you thought Grays would take it. It has audiences on the edge of their seat. And foremost, it takes everything that the show has been building up to, and it just takes it to this one moment where everything just kind of falls into place and you suddenly understand why the writers yeah. did what they did and wrote what they wrote for like mm-hmm. for like at least 27 episodes. Oh yeah. You suddenly realize that this was all part of the plan, you know? And mm-hmm. if you know me at all, that's my jam. Like the moment when the final piece falls into place is like my jam. It's why I love Prison Break. I think it's also, like, we need to just talk about how much they do in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because, so I was rewatching this for this episode. I think it was, like, third or fourth time I've rewatched it. So not that many. But I'm, like, going through. And while you're watching it, you're like, what? Like, I was going through and I'm like, wait, this happens in this episode too? Like, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And then in the last, like, not even, I don't even think it's five minutes. I was trying to remember. I tried to look at the time, but I forgot. But, like, when Meredith starts, the like, closing is when her and Derek are in the elevator together. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, four minutes or whatever till, like, the, like, till the credits. The amount of stuff that happens in that time. Like, I still remember the first time I watched it. I couldn't even, like, you know, like, the Bond episode, I was, like, clicking next so quickly, like, to get onto it. But I felt like after this one, I just had to take a moment and be, like what just happened and like really kind of analyze like the last couple minutes of this episode to be like all right this happened and this happened and this happened and this thing that they alluded to in this episode just happened and this and all of this and you're like what the hell (laughs) like yeah and that's why i think it's almost more satisfying than the finale it is in ways because this is kind of the point that i feel like in a way, this is what they've been working towards the whole time. They've been driving to this point, and pretty much everything after this episode is just kind of like, what kind of happens because it's of the like payoff. the stuff in this episode. Yeah, it's the payoff of all their hard work. Is the finale? It's kind of like a celebration. It's like when you're driving somewhere, 
and the rest of the season was, you know, you getting to this point and all these happening things. And then this episode was you finally arriving and be like, oh my God, we're here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other two episodes are like the vacation. And it's like, it's still good, but it only happened because you got there. Mm-hmm. That is, that could have been a better <laughs> metaphor, but you know what? Give her a break. She's got a hangover. I, I, so would you read the opening for us? Seriously, that was so long ago. Yeah. In life, we are taught that there are seven deadly sins. We all know the big ones. Gluttony, pride, lust. But the sin you don't hear much about is anger. Maybe it's because we think anger is not that dangerous, that you can control it. My point is, maybe we don't give anger enough credit. Maybe it can be a lot more dangerous than we think. After all, when it comes to destructive behavior, it did make the top seven. I liked that little line. Yeah, which actually, just reading that, it makes me, like, think about this. Because, like, obviously, I feel like a lot of this episode has to do with anger. But do you think, like, some of the other characters in this episode are supposed to represent some of the other deadly sins? Holy shit. Because, like, Brad is kind of, like, pride. Becca's on my level. (laughs) God damn, I never even thought of that. (laughs) Literally, guys... I had nothing. <laughs> like, Dole doing the notes, all I kept being like was, wow, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, I had nothing. Five minutes, 12 minutes into this podcast, and I have a brilliant idea. Okay, so here are the seven. Pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, sloth. <laughs> I'm just imagining a sloth. Uh, <laughs> it's the avoidance or of physical or spiritual work. What the fuck does that mean? Like, someone who's, like, super lazy and not trying to do anything. Because, like, pride, I feel like, in a way, is so bred. But what about our main characters? Envy is totally Derek, right? Yeah, His a is, bit. is anger mixed with jealousy. Yeah, so I think envy. I feel like pride is Burke. Yes, we get so much of that, especially with the whole him and Han thing. You get well, a lot of that. And the fact that he's, like, too proud to, let, like, to forgive Christina. Oh, yeah. Lust, in a way, I feel like is almost George and Callie. Because Callie, I feel like, like, she says she loves me in this episode, but I feel like it's more of a lust than a love. I feel like Callie probably does love him and George doesn't. And that's one problem. What is gluttony? Could you say gluttony could be Izzy? Because she wants, like, she keeps, like, she wants more. In a way. No, I think, I think greed is Izzy. Because she's, do- she's doing it kind of out of Yeah. Like, selfish. I could see that. Who do you think is anger? Like, Addison, maybe? Anger is kind of all of them. They all have a little bit Okay, of anger. so everyone has anger. The sloth is the one that... Avoidance of physical or spiritual work. Meredith. <laughs> Her avoiding doing work for Kelly. <laughs> yes, so true. <laughs> you took half an episode to get <laughs> this test. Okay, so hang on. Pride is Burke. Envy is Derek. Gluttony is... Well, gluttony could be, like, the parents of Kendra. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of that whole character in that sense was, in a way, greed. It says to consume more than one requires. Greed. I mean, because they're kind of keeping her alive and doing all of this for greedy reasons because they want well, that's this gluttony. and they need this. We're talking about gluttony. Oh. Oh, I thought we were talking about greed. No, greed is Izzy. I mean, but greed, I feel like, is also the parents. Well, right, but if we had to give, like, who is the number one example of X? 
you know? See, I was thinking that it was going to be more of the patients. I can't believe I didn't think of that. It's hard. Because there's some that are, like, spot on this matches. But, like, the sloth and the gluttony, I'm kind of, like, I'm, like, losing it. Which one's Alex? All of them. (laughs) Envy? A little. I feel like, in a way... Pride? Some pride. But I also... So, in a way, I feel like lust. Like, he's lusting after, like, what other people have. Mm-hmm. Which sounds weird. Well, it says pleasures of the body, though. Yes. But I guess you can lust for or other like, things. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Because you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I have all these stupid surgeries. And then as soon as someone's like, I have this surgery, he's like, I want that. I need to be in on this. Which one's Addison, do you think? Anger? Envy? A little bit of envy. Yeah, she's. I think she's definitely envious of it, Meredith. Well, yeah. Which one do you think Meredith is? She's sloth. <laughs> no. I don't know. I feel like Meredith... She's, like, broken in this episode. I feel like Meredith is the one that's like, kind of doesn't understand what all is happening around her. And it's kind of like, all of these things are, like, happening to her, kind of. And she doesn't really know how she belongs her own way. God damn, Becca. High five. That was awesome. All right. I apologize, people. It's just going to go downhill from here. <laughs> my comments are just gonna get worse <laughs> damn anyway so this is a quote from the gray matter blog this is from mark wilding i think he's the one that wrote it yeah, yeah. um it's funny you write an episode with a theme in mind in this case anger <laughs> management and after you film the thing you start thinking about other possible themes like say men behaving badly pd the shooter behaves badly neil the bullet ducker behaves badly Brad, the boss, behaves badly. Burke behaves badly. And Derek is still behaving badly towards Meredith and Addison, for that matter. I feel like it could be even more of just people behaving badly. Because even some of the women behave. I mean, Callie is rude to Meredith. Addison explodes in front of the whole hospital. Mm-hmm. The parents and they're greedishly wanting to keep Kendra alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina just acting all pity and cranky. <laughs> Izzy but I do see it badly. Well, yeah, I do see it more in the men, though. Yes. Ironically, but... Alex is the only one, the only man in this episode that doesn't really behave badly. I think that's also supposed to show you something. Yeah. It's like I, I agree. <laughs> the fact that Alex, the one who's literally been behaving badly this entire season, in fact, this entire series, <laughs> he behaved badly in season one too, mm-hmm. is finally for once not behaving badly and actually listening to what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, let's get to the first freaking scene. Um, wow. Uh, Gold Lion by Yeah Yeah Yaz is playing, and we open in Joe's bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holla back. Burke and Derek are on a bro date, playing darts and rubbing their friendship in Meredith and Chris- Christina's faces as if they actually care. I feel like it's not even they're rubbing their friendship. They're just rubbing in their, like, anger. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. they totally weren't, like, we're not friends. They're like, we're just gonna go be really angry, like, three feet away from our girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend to just rub it in their faces. Like, they're not, like, they're not in this to be friends. Yeah, that's so true. They're using each other. <laughs> they're so using each other. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> Derek isn't even allowed to call him Preston, so. Yeah. No, thank you. Burke is wearing this, like, tan-colored, like, reddish, tannish, brownish, I'll just go with beige, shirt that has, like, stripes all over it. It's, I don't know, what do you think about Burke's outfit, 
Do you like it? I don't even know. Is it a no-go? I don't know. So Christine, I feel like I didn't even notice it. Like at this point, it's just like, yep, that's something Burke would wear. <laughs> yeah. It's not even like, this is atrocious. It's like, yeah, that's Burke. Yeah. Well, but that one outfit oh from 204 was atrocious. So Christina goes, he's picturing my face. He's totally picturing that dart puncturing my skull. Not, not to mint, like I have to say this. The darts hit the same exact place on the board every time and it will never not bother me. Darts do not land in the exact same place. I honestly, so I actually watched this episode twice, kind of, because um, I watched it while taking notes, and then I rewatched it again this morning, mm-hmm. just because I was like, I have to make sure I don't forget anything, like, mm. or whatever. And so the first time, I didn't notice it, because I, like, didn't read, like, that thing, what you said, but after you said that, I looked for it the second time I watched it, and I was like... Holy crap, how did I not notice this before? Right? <laughs> like, it's like the same shot. It's just because, like, I guess, like, you're not really paying attention to it. You're just kind of like, yeah, they're throwing darts. But uh-huh. then, like, when you're actually like, wait a second. But I noticed. I it. also love, like, Burke just, like, flexing his muscle. And then Christina, like, mimics it. Yeah, she's like, what is this? <laughs> Christina looking pretty good in a leather jacket here. So here's the, the dress lineup for the ladies. We got Izzy wearing this, like, tannish, whitish like, kind of cream, like, sweater. Mm-hmm. And her hair looks amazing. It does. It's very nicely curled. It's, like, perfect. All three of their hairs are very nicely, like, wavy and yes. curled. Meredith is rocking this kind of, like, dark purple V-neck sweater thing. Yeah. I like it. Like, long sleeve, yeah. It's a very typical, like, Meredith shirt. It is. I feel like purple is almost Meredith's color. Like, I feel like... She looks good in purple f- and dark green. I feel like this, like, shirt is something that she has, like, the same shirt of in, like, multiple colors. Yeah. Quite possibly. And then we have Christina in her classic tan, like, brownish leather jacket, which she wears a lot. Which yeah. is kind of like a steampunk, like, um, cape jacket, almost? What do they call that? Trench coat? Mm-hmm. Yep. She's wearing this, like, steampunk trench coat looking thing. I like it. And it stays around for a while. Anyway. And then Izzy goes, Derek? Derek is picturing you. And then Meredith, he called me a whore. He lost the right to picture me. Awesome double meaning there. Mm-hmm. Awesome line. Also, they have, like, zero reaction to this. Like, they're like, yeah, whatever. MBD. They're like, I hate them. Whatever. And then I love the whole, like, ass. Ass. Oh, hey! <laughs> oh, Isabel Stevens has finally left the hospital. Does that mean that heart patient dude finally kicked it? I'm sorry. This section of the bar is for surgeons. We don't socialize with gynecologists. And even Joe laughs. I know. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Joe was like, I know you love him, girl. I got your back. Joe's like, hee hee. I'm in with the surgeons. I get it. <laughs> and then George and Callie walk up and everyone's like, George is here. And then they're like, ooh, and Callie. Also, they all, I mean, like, yes, they all kind of say like, oh, hey, like, hey, Callie. Like, and kind of like non-excited things. But, like, they're still like, oh, hey, Callie. And she looks at them like, your friends are horrible. I hate them. And it's yeah. like, can you at least try to be a nice person and be like, hey, guys. Like, she just walks up to them and is like, I'm disgusted by the pres- your presence. It's like, it's like people constantly owe her something, you know? And I'm like, you have, like, a terrible personality. They don't owe you anything. You know what I mean? Like, at least they're trying to kind of be like, hey, hi. Like, you could be the bigger person. Take the higher ground and be like, hey guys, how's it going? Like, be a nice person. But no, she decides to look at them with the, like, I smelled something really bad face and, like, the, like, ugh face. I just smelled poop face. Yes. George is like, 
She looks at him like, aren't you going to say something? What would you have George say in this circumstance, Callie? Just like smack him. Like what would George, like how could he possibly say something? As if it's his fault that you're not likable. <laughs> so now we go, I guess the following morning or whatever, mm-hmm. to Dr. Findandriff's office. Where basically Doc has cancer. Doc is like sitting there like, I can't believe they made me come to this place. <laughs> yeah, Doc's like, can we go home? <laughs> Dr. Finn Dandruff is wearing dark green. Imagine that. And like, Meredith and Finn look like they're like having like this deep conversation. Like, yes, we're talking about my dog. Addison looks interested. Derek looks like he could not give a shit about what they're He's talking. like leaning back. Like, okay, if Derek, if it was possible to take the high road, Derek swerves and takes the low road every occasion he can in this in this episode. See, Derek fell off the high road and fell even further down than the low road. Like he's, like, he's not even on the low road. Like yeah. he's in the ditch next to the low road, still pouting. Yeah, like he's super hostile and questioning everything that Dr. Finn Dandruff says. Because, which makes Finn Dr. Finn Dandruff look like a better yeah, guy. Because somehow Derek's decision to not take the high road and take the low road, he's still blaming on other people. <laughs> That's he's just he's so saying. jealous or he envious. He, he is being so, I heard him. I was just, I was double checking. And Addison is like, you asshole. <laughs> Addison is like, be chill. Be cool. Yeah. And Dr. Findandruff says, I still need to do a bone scan, whatever, to see how far it's spread. Um, it's aggressive. We can try to treat it with chemo, remove the entire limb. And then Derek goes, at this point, should we even bother? And Meredith, oh, right, let's just let him die. I don't want him to suffer, Meredith. Right. And it's like, metaphors. The best part is, is Addison is, like, totally picking up on this. I'm not 100% sure if Finn is. I think Dr. Finn Dandruff is probably picking up on a little bit. Like, a little bit, but he still, like, looks looks like he's just like, yep, these are people in my vet's office. Well, he didn't know that they once dated. So he doesn't really True. have all the info. True. But like Addison is sitting there like, what the hell happened between you two? And Finn's just like, so your dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get this like super brief scene that's completely necessary of Meredith, Addison, and Derek in the elevator. Yeah. I think the blocking here is super important as well because Meredith and Derek are in their sacred domain, the elevator. And we literally and figuratively have Addison standing between them. Oh, Yeah. And then they're, like, answering in unison, implying yeah. that they're on the same page. Lying in unison. Mm-hmm. And Meredith... Not Meredith. Addison is, like, looking back and forth between the two of them, like, I hate you both. Like, yeah, she's getting whiplash. Also, did you notice that Addison is, is um, dressed similarly to how she was yeah. dressed when she first came into the show? Yeah, she's in, like, the all black again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get this, like, brief little scene where... You know, for those of us who have forgotten, Burke is still pissed at Christina for falling asleep during sex last episode. He's throwing himself a little pity party over it. Mm -hmm. And he is also cruising on the low road. I think he is on the road, though. He's not in the ditch like Derek is. Yeah, he's not not that far down. But he's just like, yeah, I'm on the low road. (laughs) Um, So basically, but the biggest thing about this scene is Burke is headed to Mercy West to pick up a heart for a transplant. And moving on. So then we go to the ER, which is full of gunshot victims, and they are overflowing into the hallway. So I did some digging, and the Federal Assault Weapons Ban spanned from 1994 to 2004. For anyone who's serious. Yeah, for anyone who didn't know that already, which is an everyday 
fact, household fact. This episode was written in 2005 slash early 2006. So do you think any of that is politically motivated? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Good TV shows are always following, like, hot upcoming issues. Like, SVU had, like, a couple episodes of police shootings of black youth during, like, a bunch of, like, the black rights movements. You had a bunch of people, you had a bunch of people doing, like, stuff during the Me Too movement. They kind of move with the times. And I feel, and that's another way to get your show talking is because, you know, the show itself isn't saying, like, he did this because the federal assault weapons ban was lifted and blah, blah, blah. It's just saying, this is happening. This is a hot topic. Talk about it. Yeah, but I will I will push back a little bit when you say good TV shows always do this. I think that doing too much of this can literally make a good TV show a bad one. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to do it with taste. But... Yeah, and some shows don't, that's for sure. Not even just with taste, but just like at a... It's like, when I tune in to watch a fictional TV show, I'm not tuning in to watch the news. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I don't want to hear about stuff. Well, it's, I think the way that, the like, that separates kind of like a good show from a bad show is how they do it. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, like, you know, some people write an episode like that that has to do with, like, a topic. And it's 100%, this is our side, this is how everyone should think. And, like... Again, no one wants to watch a TV show and be like, this is how you need to think about this thing. Anyway, George says, I heard he got away. Meredith goes, really? Which is important. Yep. Now, let's move to our token comic relief for the episode, Neil and Deborah. And I'm just going to say it. They're awesome. I like it because it's a nice, funny, like, storyline that's kind of in this otherwise pretty heavy episode. I feel like they're, they're slightly jv jp and athena oh yeah very similar oh, and yeah. i love them i love it and it just and it works out so well that this kind of they kind of go along with christina's whole like bitterness storyline too like and i think that's what makes it better is it's not just like something random in the middle of this like whole thing like it mm-hmm. kind of works with christina's whole thing and it's hilarious that like all these gunshot victims are coming in and she's stuck with like these two bickering and like this is just like completely ridiculous. We shared a bullet, Deborah. It went through you and into me. That's a sign we should be together forever. A sign. No, Neil. This is a sign. She's squirting water through my arm. Look, I can see you through my arm. That's another and the sign. The way she does this because like her arm is like down and then she like lifts it up and is like looking. <laughs> and you're like, "Good god, this woman. I love her." It's just so perfect. Oh and my Bailey god. is just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> so next we get Will. To um, me, Will is Jeremiah 2.0. I, I like him that much. See, like, I liked him, but I don't think he's quite up to Jeremiah's level. He's also a big Green Day fan, judging by his hair. Oh, yeah. I do. I really like Will. I don't know. Like, I liked him, don't get me wrong. But I honestly don't know, like, if he would be, like, like top ten list for this season. I don't think he's going to be no. in it. Okay. No, but, like, I mean... Whereas, like, Jeremiah is, I think. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. That's true. I also, honestly, like, forget how many episodes are in this season, and so I feel like I'm gonna be going back and be like, wait, this person's in season Mm -hmm. two, too? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. That's for another episode. So Meredith is put on his case, as well as Callie, and I think 
It was right about here the first time I watched the show that the sinking realization that Callie was not leaving hit me and I felt kind of sad. Yeah. So then Derek gets his patient Kendra. That's it. Nothing really happens. Yeah. Yeah. This is all happening so fast, which is why we're like trying to cover it. You know, like mm-hmm. it, this is all like very quick. Bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because it's kind of it's supposed to feel like you're almost just standing in the ER and you're like, look in one direction and it's Christine and these patients. And you kind of like look over and it's Meredith. Mm. And then like Derek walks in with Kendra, like being wheeled in. Like, Mm -hmm. and so it's all kind of in the same space, which I kind of like that, like feeling. Mm -hmm. I also like that. They're not playing super dramatic music in the background. Yes. I like that. And finally, Izzy gets Brad who you're supposed to hate, but I feel nothing but joy and love. I love him. I mean, obviously terrible person, super annoying, but for the sake of television, I can't get him Honestly, the whole, like, the, the whole time I was listening to him talk, especially the second time, I was like, is this guy supposed to be, like, a replica Alex? Because I could imagine Alex doing this and being like, see, I'm an athlete. <laughs> like, <laughs> really helps that I'm an athlete because the second I, like, can you not see, like, Alex, like, yeah, I'm an athlete, so. I can, I can't see him actually saying it like that, but I can see him thinking but it. But, like, differently, like, the whole, like, t- tell her I'm a wrestler. Yeah. Like, tell her she's not going to the right gyms. Yeah, like, and it, <laughs> they have gunshot wounds. Life-threatening gunshot wounds. Really helps I'm an athlete. And she's just like, I hate you. I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that Petey was looking for you. Which, damn. Which, like, burn. Pow, 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 Brad. Um, And this is the only mass shooting on this show that does it right. I mean, they still, like, find a way to make it comical and light. And, like, honestly, what Grey's did best back in the early days was that it had this, like, off-color dark humor. And, like, almost poked fun at the over-dramatization of other soap opera-type shows, and then they fell straight into that cliche later. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, I finally felt like I found a show that was, like, poking fun at the other, yeah. like, super over-dramatic shows, and then it became one of them. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like this, like, the, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that Petey was looking for you. Like, they would never have that on a yeah. on well, an episode now. And I also feel like, in a way, what helps this to kind of not be over-dramatized is the fact that, like, yeah, it's this huge event or whatever, but it's still not the main thing that's happening in this episode. Like, the main kind of thing in this episode is supposed to be Denny, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, like, I feel like that helps because then it's not like they're trying to do, like... Well, no, it... (laughs) This patient reminds me of my dead father because he was also... Oh, don't Peter Stone me. He was also shot 27 times in the chat. And you're like, good God, what is happening? God, you just, like... I just got triggered by by Becca. (laughs) Do not Peter Stone me right now. It needs to be a verb. And, like, I think what you're getting at is that the patients are brought to them. It's not that they are thrown into the situation. It's that the situation is brought to them, which makes... Mm -hmm. All the difference. Well, yeah, they make it realistic. When you have a mass shooting of this sort, yes, of course, you're going to have a lot of main injuries. But they also show a lot, like, Izzy in this scene is literally, like, picking glass out of wounds and, like, mm-hmm. suturing. Yes, you're going to have the Kendras, the, you know, like, that kind of thing. But it's not going to be, like, every single person coming into the ER is completely covered in blood and bullets and just everything. And, oh, my God. Well, I think it's also that the doctors, like, yes, they're going to care about their patients. Yes, they're going to have a political point of view if they have it. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. like, they're not going to, like, like 
cry endlessly over it. They're yeah. like when the when the they political get... point of the doctors isn't going to drive the episode. When they get into the hospital, they're gonna act calmly and they're gonna practice medicine. They're not gonna be crying and being like yelling at people and like. Anyway, then the chief and Burke have a convenient, super loud conversation in the ER, which Alex somehow overhears, probably because they're talking super loud. <laughs> a minor theme of this episode is people talking loudly in not so private areas. Yes. Anyway, Alex convinces Burke to let him go with him to get the heart. And Burke is like, this is what you get for insulting my manhood. And then it just like, karma just slaps Alex in the face. And he's like, who's getting the heart? Like, who's the lucky patient? And Burke's like, Denny. And Alex is like, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. In your freaking face, Alex. Pow, pow, pow. And all that happened before the title card. I just want you to know. Like, we just got the title card. This episode is so much. Here we are in season two, episode 25 of the show, and it feels like everything is completely set up, and it feels like every character has gotten where they need to get, and guys, it feels like shit is about to go down. And it feels like that because shit is about to go down. Yes. Like, I just, like, I say that because I just, I almost get the same feeling in this episode as I did in the beginning of the bomb episode, where I feel like something is off. Yeah. Like, something is happening you know which is interesting because i feel like in the bomb episode they gave you that uneasy feeling by using you know like the whole drums the music Uh the lack of music like some of those like the lighting Uh and they talked about that a lot in this one i feel like what's giving you the uneasiness or like ooh, something's gonna happen is a lot of the dialogue Mm -hmm. because like this next scene when bailey is like all right you can take care of danny that you're like huh like yeah or, like, and Izzy goes away and is like, oh, I'm going to be 100%, like, professional. And you're like, oh. And, like, some other moments where you're like, something's not, like, this isn't going to turn out well. Or, like, mm-hmm. ooh, like, what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. It's different. They set up the uneasiness differently. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Also, like, the bomb was, like, a completely contained storyline. And this is definitely not because we've had this storyline for half a season. Oh, yeah. So that does make it different also. But, yeah. Bailey, even though she knows, I mean, she literally lists. Like, you're overly attached. You flirt with him. You knit him sweaters. You play marathon games of Scrabble. She says all of that. And then she was like, yeah, but go ahead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like... That was definitely an oversight. So now... One um, of the many oversights that has happened. Exactly. That's why I feel like the Denny storyline is perfect. It was written so subtly, so nuanced, and so perfectly because you can see how something like this could happen. But it's also so interesting to see because from the audience perspective, you know, obviously I feel like we all saw... Like, we knew. Well, we know so much more than Exactly. And so I feel like it's so easy... As an audience, like, as the audience to be like, how could they not see this coming? But then you really have to think about it and be like, from Bailey's perspective, from Burke's perspective, from other people's perspectives, they didn't see as much as we did. As we did. They didn't hear some of the dialogue that we heard mm-hmm. and some of, like, those moments. Yeah. When it's also, like, I just love the nuance of it. Just, I'm, I'm... Very much into, like, slowly setting something up for a a more satisfying reveal or more satisfying moment than just trying to go zero to 70, you know? And then it's not as satisfying because you haven't set it up for that long. And I just... It's like, you can see, yes, this is how it could happen. It's like a perfect storm 
that mm-hmm. happened, you know? Yeah. It happened to be Denny. It, it's important that he is the way he is. It's important that Izzy is the way she is. It's important that Bailey is being mommy tracked right now. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? All of those little tiny details are perfectly nuanced and perfectly, like, subtle. It's perfect that I feel like really the two people that kind of could predict that what like what's going to happen. Because I feel like the two people that know the best about the Izzy Denny situation, Alex won. I think Alex knows, like, mm-hmm. whatever, and Burke. And it's important, I think, to note that the two of them are not in the hospital when yeah. all of this goes down. And the chief is busy during this episode. And Bailey is not thinking straight. Yes. They're all... It's, well, she's, she is thinking straight. She's just not... She's questioning herself. Yeah. and More than she normally yeah. would. But... So now we get this short little scene of Derek and George in the CT room. Yeah. The only reason I wanted to mention this is because of this line. Derek says, can you imagine you're at work, you're doing your job, and somebody comes in and shoots you, just pull, just puts a bullet in your head? Yeah, anyway. Great. And important to note, but Kendra is pregnant. Yeah. Anyways, back to the ER. Brad continues to be super annoying. In the most lovable way possible. <laughs> Yeah, I'm management, so I'm just, I'm 100% covered. (laughs) I love him. And then Will. Can you just up my morphine? Will is the bomb. Like, that's that's what I got. He's kind of like the funny, like the subtle comic relief in this episode. I feel like Will and Meredith have a ton in common. You know what? I, like you know what I mean. That like Neil and Deborah are like the like in your face like mm-hmm. he dug behind her. But Will like this. Is there any chance you can please up my morphine? Like that's subtly fun. Like that's mm-hmm. hilarious. And then like their whole like little like I love their. Little Why don't you say something? Well, I wish I'm saving up to go back to school. I need the job. And then Callie comes up and like slaps Meredith across the face with like her hair or something. Like <laughs> yeah, her like brick of a hair. <laughs> What? Are you socializing? I've got five more patients for you to see. And Will here needs to get to surgery. Move your ass. Which, like, 100% valid. Like, Meredith kind of sat around all last episode. And she is, granted, sitting around doing nothing right now. See? But. So, you know, you're like, all right, she has a point. But, like, she also said it in the most unprofessional way possible. She said this. And you know, like, and this is just me, like, psychoanalyzing her. But I think I pretty much hit the nail on the head. She has no control over these women except for that one thing. And that one thing is that she is their boss at work. And so she takes out her anger at them, you know, because like George's friends don't like her. And so she abuses her power. Yeah. You know what I mean though? Like she could have come up and like, if this was Bailey in a normal Bailey situation, Bailey would have been like, Gray, I got five more patients for you to see. Like, go take care of them. Like said something. And they would have been like, all right, cool. But like, Cal- what are you socializing? It's like, Callie, get out of sixth grade. You're not in middle school. You're the boss of this person. <laughs> acts like a mature adult that you're supposed to be. Yeah. Like she's just, she acts just petulant and immature. And honestly, like maybe it's just our personalities, but like, and we it's like, just I don't get, like it. And I get the fact that, like, Meredith and Izzy, and, like, yes, at times they are immature, and they have that. <laughs> but it's also, they're the interns. They're, in a way, supposed to act like that. Yeah. Callie's their boss. She's supposed to be on the same level as Bailey. And we would never tolerate this kind of behavior from Bailey. Like, if no. Bailey said this, we would be like, what the hell is wrong? Like, even though she's being mommy tried right now, and she's not being Bailey, she still would never say this. Well, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just like, what I got from that was like... It's like the teacher saying this to students. 
Yeah, well, it's it's like one of those things where, and honestly, we had a teacher in high school that was kind of like this, where it's like, it's not what you're saying that is wrong, because on paper, what Callie said is completely oh, valid. Oh, yeah. Like, so true. It's based 100% in fact. But <laughs> the reason why you're saying it and how you're saying it are just so, like, immature and just so like abusing power Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i'm like ugh, you suck and then meredith goes i need the job i love that i love the way she kind of like like will kind of like looks at her like so then we get this like super adorable little scene between denny and izzy where she's Mm -hmm. like i have some news for you and it's so cute and like the way that they're looking at each other and you're like (laughs) is this the scene that we've all been waiting for Probably. But here's the thing. 2019 Grey's Anatomy fans can read the signs here, but I feel like 2006 Grey's Anatomy fans were just innocent newbies and had no idea the emotional death trap they were headed oh, towards. Oh, yeah, no. The 2006 fans were poor, innocent souls who were who were about to have, like, their hearts ripped out by Sandra Rhymes. Yeah. You know what I mean, though? Like, yeah. looking, like re-watching this, I was like... How could I not have seen this coming? Like, mm. but for me, like, you you didn't like know the her show as like well. her cutting the elevator at, at the end of this episode was a shock for me. The first time I saw it, I was like, "What? Yeah, like I can't believe this." Whereas, like now I'm watching it, and like, yes, I know what happens, but like you're seeing all of these signs, and it's mm. like, how did I not notice this? Or like, how did I not know this coming? But it's like, but I've also seen up until you know, season whatever, and it's kind of like you get into the kind of habit of like. Seeing things coming. It's just that, like, it happens with every TV show. Like, in the beginning, you're not very good at reading it because you're not used to the style or, like, how they write it. And then by the time you're, like, later in the show, like, even with comedies, it's like you can almost predict the joke that's coming. You can almost say, like, oh, they would say X or Y in this situation. Because you get used to the writing. Yeah, exactly. But, like, that's what I mean. That's why I think that this works even better because people weren't used to the writing yet. That's why this hits even harder. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, like, watching this episode in the 26, 27, like, the first time through, I remember after, like, almost every episode, I had to, like, stop and be like, did all that really just happen? Like, did I really just watch it? Like, certain scenes, I'd have to, like, pause and be like, what just happened? Like, yeah. what? And now I'm like, How? Well, yeah, of course. Of course this happened. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm surprised the whole hospital didn't burn down in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Denny goes, I guess this means I got to start taking you on some real dates. And Izzy goes, I guess so. Which, can we all just take a moment and just really think about how amazing these scenes would be? Like real date scenes? Yeah, like they would be so cute. Like I can see him being like such a little gentleman and like pulling a chair out for her at like a restaurant and like these just like really, really cute scenes. And you're like, do you think that their relationship would work outside of the hospital though? I'm kind of like a optimist like romantic person so i'm gonna say yes Hmm. i just think it would be kind of weird for the show to like like show somebody dating outside yeah i think for the the show it would have been weird so patricia enters and there's a pause for applause and she comes in with dnr papers for denny and izzy lets the audience know what dnr means um, do not resuscitate. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Subtly lets, explains to the audience Exposition. what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And, um, in case the stakes weren't already high enough, 
This is just the last little bit of setup to raise them just a hair (laughs) higher. This is the writers being like, we've already made this like humongous ice cream sundae of all this stuff. This is just the boop cherry on top. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See, I would almost debate that the finale is the cherry on top of this episode. Well, a little bit, but like for like raising the stakes of this whole thing. It's like, that's what it is. Can you read the you're on the Elvad, okay? You're on Elvad, okay? That could give you another two years right there. Izzy, if I don't get this heart, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm tired. No, no. I'm not going to let you make this decision. Not now. Well, that's funny because I thought DNR was a patient's choice. Listen to me. Damn. I believe in heaven, Izzy. And if I had to choose between this life here and one in heaven, I choose heaven. Okay? Yeah. Like, and that that is another, like, just showing how utterly desperate Denny is. And then that desperation kind of transfers over to Izzy as well. Because when she sees how desperate he is and how, like, at the end of the rope he is, it does transfer over to her as well. Because she was not, like... I feel like before this little speech, she was not... As desperate. As desperate, yeah. So now we get... (laughs) <laughs> However this turns out, I want you to operate on my fiancé first. I don't care if I'm dying. And Christina's like, the bullet grazed you. Like, She's like, you're not dying. Like, you literally have a scratch, bro. Like, you shouldn't even be in this hospital anymore. De- Deborah, <laughs> like, I'm not, also not your fiancé anymore, Neil. We already sent out invitations. We're getting married six weeks from now. Deborah, please, I love you. Oh, don't fall for that. <laughs> and then he's like, excuse me? <laughs> Christina. I just love, I love how Christina's, like, getting in the way. Like, because we have this thing where, like, the patients always, like, add their two cents in on the doctors. But, we like, we barely ever get it the other way around. And this is so funny. You are very, very bitter. That's exactly what I was thinking. See, we're meant to be together. Oh, shut up, Neil. I love that. Shut up, Neil. Like, these are those, we just had this huge moment with, like, Izzy and Denny, and then there's just like, and now here's a little bit of laugh. That's like, exactly what we like, needed, too. Thank so. you. So now we go over to Mercy West, which, spoiler, is not as cool as <laughs> Seattle Grace. Mm-mm. And we meet the newest character, Erica Hahn. And I really like Erica Hahn as the counter for Burke. Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing with Erica is just kind of indifference. Like, I don't hate her at all. Like, you know, like, I don't have, like, negative feelings towards her, but I don't really have positive ones either. I'm just like, she exists, is kind of how I see her. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That was... I mean, at least she has a freaking personality. What? And I love you, like... I love you. (laughs) I love, like, just their little, like, back and forth, like this, took you long enough, Preston. Why is Junior here? Your ego get too big for one man to carry. He's like, yes. <laughs> and then I like, and then I love we get Burke's little like pride here. Mm-hmm. Doctor Han here graduated second in our class at Johns Hopkins. Doctor Karev, ask her who graduated first. I love that. And line. he has this like look on his face, like beachy again. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's like in your fucking face, and she's it. like, God, <laughs> so good. Like this is the best Erica Han the shows ever gets. Oh, yeah. Like, spoiler, she sticks around. And I think the hard thing with the character, like, Erica Hahn is she was solely meant to be the counter for Burke. Mm-hmm. And they try to make her into more than that, and it doesn't work. Yeah. 
I know. So then Addison is just with Derek in the scrub room. So you're going to tell me what's going on between you and Meredith and Derek. I told you there's nothing to tell. It's good that they have Addison like say this line early in the episode because it it like kind of rationalizes her actions later oh, yeah. a little bit. Well, it's, and I kind of like how they subtly kind of incorporate, you know, they're not having this huge talk of like, are you going to tell me? Like, please tell. Like, it's just mm-hmm. subtle little lines. Like, they're in the scrub room. It takes 10 seconds. Yeah. So they're like two hearts. And Grace basically wastes no time and just completely like murdering this other dude they're like yep you walked in on this set you're dead (laughs) so now there's only one heart and burke and han have to go at it basically the running down the hall was to me an allusion to the bomb Mm -hmm. which i like because it has the same feel that kind of like of the bomb episode but completely different stakes because you know in the bomb episode it was Burke's own life was kind of at risk and like all that mm. stuff. And it I think it really just shows how much Burke cares about Denny. Mm. Which also raises the stakes. Well, it's and- interesting, one, because we have Burke running down the hallway now. Two, Burke is trying to get somebody to stop operating, but the way he does it is completely different from Alex. Because mm-hmm. Alex very calmly said it, but then Burke here goes, Stop right there. Don't move that scalpel, not even a slice. You know? Yeah. And I'm just like, huh. And then it's also like the bomb nobody wants to touch, but like the heart is the opposite. Everyone wants it. Yeah. Which is interesting. And a life is at stake here. Two lives are at stake. It's just, it's just kind of more indirect, you know? Mm hmm. It's interesting. So then they, it's, it goes to whoever's on the transplant list, whatever. Moving on. Can we get this like little. First, Callie like starts complaining about like, her specialty and she's like no one respects ortho and you're like whatever it's like nobody cares i feel like this line was almost put in to help kind of like advance her character and make people care more about her and be like hey we're gonna keep her on the show let's make her like people care about her and be like oh it's so sad no one respects her specialty but really she says this and i'm like no one cares it has the opposite effect on me when she says that i'm like Right, because nothing's your fault. It's always somebody's against you. She's well, one of those people where it's never her fault. It's always someone else doing in, it to in her. In my thing, and I'm like, what do you want them to do? Wait to do brain surgery on Kendra <laughs> so you can operate on Will's leg? Like, Yeah, exactly. It's like, yep, Kendra, the person who has a bullet in her brain, she can wait a second for, like, surgery, you know. She'll wait for Will's leg, even though he's, you know talking and fine yeah exactly it's like you know and she's like and she's like everyone hates me and you're like yep we do like retweet yeah (laughs) so she's also trying to connect with meredith and meredith is like yeah so about me and she changes the conversation back to herself very quickly meredith i feel like almost picks up on that and is like all right let's connect i'll ask you a question and like I'm asking you medical advice about something that means a lot to me. And then Callie's just like, I don't care. Callie, I like, hate what she does here. Like, this is the top Callie tally to me. I get where Callie's coming from. Like, I get how, like, someone being like, yes, you like, I know you're a doctor. But it's also, like, Meredith asking Callie for advice about Doc and his cancer is almost like the equivalent of George asking like Callie about like if George's like brother got like bone cancer and he mm-hmm. asked Callie about it, you know? Yeah. And it's like like I don't think like it's being rude or anything. Callie is like nobody respects me, nobody wants to be my friend. And then she does something like that and it's like why do you think nobody wants to be your friend? Like that was such a mean thing to say. I don't even think Bailey would do this. 
You know, I feel like Bailey might actually answer this question. I feel like normal people would be like, like, I feel like Bailey might be like, Gray, like, really? And then, like, Mary would be like, please, like, Bailey, like, it's my dog or something. Or, like, Bailey would pick up on, like, the important, like, you she would I- pick up on a social cue. You know what I mean, though? Like, I feel like Bailey might at first be like, really, you're asking me about a dog, but then Meredith would kind of be like, yes, like, it's my dog. And then Bailey would be like, okay, obviously this means a lot to her. And yes. like, you know, she's not being like, what color should I paint my nails, Cal? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I just hate this, like, the, and you're asking me about your precious dog with your precious McDreamy. And I'm like, go throw yourself into a volcano. <laughs> Whatever. And Meredith's face looking at her is just like, I am going to murder you. And she's like, yeah, I I know about him. And you think I care? And Meredith is just like, I will kill you with my eyes. I, yeah. Like, I seriously, if Callie mysteriously disappeared, body mangled beyond recognition, it would not, like, surprise me. I got a screenshot of Callie, like, getting all up in Meredith's face. And she looks like she's giving her the killing curse with her eyes. (laughs) Meredith is just like... Just wait until they can't find your body. It's legit. It's legit. <laughs> one of the best Meredith screenshots I have ever gotten. Like she looks like she wants to like slice Callie's throat, hold a goblet under it, and then drink the blood. That's what it looks like. She's just like you are our next sacrifice. <laughs> so now we go back to Mercy West, and they're all in, like this conference room, like la la la. Mm-hmm. They have a dude on the phone, and they say that Han's patient is a whatever two twenty two hundredths of a point ahead. Like that's insane. And um, and to make it even better, Doctor Han's patient was admitted seventeen seconds before Denny on the transplant list. Mm-hmm. And Burke goes seventeen seconds. And I I like what Erica says here because she goes might as well be seventeen weeks. It doesn't matter. And I'm like that's kind of true. Like when you think about it, it's so true. It's like that's exactly the point. It's like well, it's like the same. That's thing as- why they have it to the second. Yeah, because it's it's like a race, you know. Yeah. First is first. Second is second. It doesn't matter if second was one second behind first or two minutes. Yeah. You know, it's still first and second. Yeah, and I kind of like that. She goes, might as well be 17 weeks. Makes me wonder, though, do you think they had any idea what, how many seconds they wanted it to be until they found the song by The Cure? I think that they, like, were like, okay, we want it to be a few seconds. Let's look for a song. that, And then they're like, oh, this one's called 17 seconds. We'll call it that. Probably. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Anyway, Burke's phone rings. Alex answers. It's Izzy. He explains the situation. And Izzy starts lying. And... Like, we know that she's lying because she's standing in the middle of the um, and you can, waiting room. The way she says it, too, you can 100% tell. And Alex you, can tell. Oh, yeah. And again, this is another thing of Alex knows this. He knows what it mm-hmm. kind of what Izzy's doing. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't tell Burke, like, hey, Izzy's lying or, like, Izzy's getting too attached. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't do anything. I think it's partly because he's so angry with oh, her yeah. and he wants her to fail. Oh, yeah, which... Which is sick in its own way. Which is no... It's no mistake that one of the few people that actually knows how close she is with Denny is Alex. No mm-hmm. mistake. Yeah. And that's why Christina couldn't have gone. And that's why Chris, That's why they were like, Burke has to be mad at Christina for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's why she did that in the last episode. This is what I'm talking about. Like, there's a reason why it was 
why X, Y, Z happened. And then you have to take the steps backwards and backwards and backwards and realizing that's why they did that one thing episodes ago because it was the linchpin that got us to this point. Mm -hmm. And you're like, damn, Grey's Anatomy. But in, like, as soon as I start started hearing her lying, in my head, I was like, oh, this is not good. Like, I remember, like, I was like, as soon as she told the first lie, I was like, this is can only end badly. Oh, yeah. But I feel like you also don't understand how badly it's going to go. Because yeah, at first, yeah. like, when she's, like, lying about it, I'm like, oh, she's going to lie about it. Like, like she's just going to get yelled at by, like, mm. Burke or whoever, like, when they realize she's not lying. But- and Alex, Izzy, I'm not going to lie to- for you. Then put Burke on the phone. And you're like, oh. Like... You know, at first you're like, well, Alex will do, I'll do it through Alex. But no, Izzy has, uh, this is big dick energy here. She's gonna, uh, she's gonna lie straight to Burke's face. Oh yeah. Anyway. So now we get. <laughs> now we get Meredith sitting alone in a conference room, even though Callie, like literally two scenes ago, told her there were like patients lined up. Meredith is like, no, <laughs> you won't help me with your, with my dog. Nope. And then she just leaves, like pulling an Izzy from last episode. <laughs> In your freaking face, Callie. Oh, gosh. I love but we it. have this, like, short little Addison Meredith scene. Probably in my top five for these two. They don't have many scenes of just the two of them. Mm-hmm. But, like, when they do, they're usually really good. Yes. They're usually not just really good. They're, like, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're, like, finally talking to each other like human beings here. Mm-hmm. And Kate Walsh plays that worried, insecure Addison so well. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated that, like, the first time we see this version of her is in front of Meredith, of all people. So, do you want to read this here? I'll be Addison. Sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. I just... I'm having a little trouble because I need to ask you something. And I don't usually have trouble, but what I need to ask... I'm not even sure I want the answer to, but I have to ask. So I'm just going to ask you, and then you answer, and then uh, we'll go from there, okay? Okay. Are you sleeping with my husband? Not since before I knew he was married. Okay. Except, you know, it just, it felt like in the vet's office this morning, and then again in the elevator, it felt a little like you two were having a lover's quarrel. No, we're not. I've moved on. I'm dating Finn. You're dating the vet. Okay. Addison. No, no, thanks. I'm I'm good. Thanks. I'm great. I love it. Oh. So. And you see the realization come over Addison's face. Mm-hmm. Kate Walsh played that so well. So perfectly, yes. And it's just like... 10 million questions popped into my head as soon as this scene ended. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what you were talking about, where it's like you almost have to pause and think about every single scene you get yeah. in this episode. Because, like, the part where Meredith goes, like, Addison, it's like she knows, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like she knows. I think she's getting what Addison, like, was saying. And what she's thinking. But I'm also yeah. like, what was she going to tell her? Like, exactly. Was she going to ask something? What Was she, was she going to say something? Like, what was she going to do? Like... It's almost like Meredith knows that Derek is jealous. But, like, does she? Because at the same time, I don't feel like she does. I don't think she realized it or, like, realized exactly kind of what it was until this. Well, I feel like she knows deep down that Derek hates Finn because Finn is with Meredith. Yes. 
but she would never even admit it to herself. But I also think she doesn't get the fact that, like, yes, Derek hates Finn, but Derek hates Finn because he's with me, because he's not over me. I don't think she has that last part of, like, because he's in love with me, that kind of thing. She doesn't get that part, But I then think. what is her rationale, then? I just, this scene, like, I would, I would write, like, a dissertation on this scene. Like, and how the, the actors all- play it, and how the blocking is, mm-hmm. and everything. But it's, but it's also, like, if you're in that situation... Do you really want to admit to yourself this ex that I'm trying so hard to get over because he has a wife and lied to me about it is still in love with me? Like, do you want to admit that to yourself? Do you want to admit that to other people? Do you even want to think for a second that that's true? Mm-hmm. Ugh, and then that realization on Kate Walsh's face. Yeah. Kate Walsh is so interesting on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> I follow her on Twitter and I'm like, how you doing, Kate Walsh? Do you, like, do you need to talk to somebody? <laughs> anyway. Now we're going to cut back to Burke and Izzy on the phone. And Burke is having trouble realizing that Izzy is lying to him because he has no social skills. Like, it's kind of almost, like, if the situation and the stakes weren't so high, it would be kind of funny. He'd be like, flash pulmonary edema. It's his, is his elvad working? And then Izzy's just kind of, like, standing in the lobby, like, looking around. She's like, Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best part. Did you put him on a nitro dip? And she's like, yes, of course. <laughs> like, and Yeah, she's like, this is all too easy. <laughs> it just, it's just so funny. Anyway, so they like getting Burke to run tests. And um, he goes, Dr. Stevens, I heard. Good, get going. And then she hangs up the phone. And the shot, the, the wide shot of her just standing alone in the lobby while people are kind of mm-hmm. just rushing around having their regular day is so important that wide shot changes the way you see that scene and if you got rid of it it would change everything about the scene i love it and you're like that escalated quickly (laughs) good lord because the next from now until the end of the episode takes place from anywhere between one to three hours Mm -hmm. everything that happens yeah insane yeah so kendra's brain dead She kicked it. Um, And her family wants to keep her alive long enough for her to have the baby. And Addison says earlier in the episode that she's 12 weeks long, which means she has 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. So, like, seven months. Damn. So they want to keep her alive for, like, seven months. I'm pretty sure they did something like this on SVU once. Like, this is weird. They actually just had on the news. This is super random. But she, somebody got pregnant with, and they were brain dead. Is that what it was? They were in a coma. Yeah. 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 And it was like, they're like nurse or whatever. It was like. They're, Raping them. Yeah. It was creepy as hell. But like, they, they did that on SVU. But like, it just, it literally just happened. Like uh-huh. they just arrested the guy. That's a little bit different than this. But. <laughs> well, yeah. But do you think Will could be the father? That was what I was going to ask you because the first time he mentions Kendra in the beginning, you're kind of like, you might, you like get a little bit. Of that sense. And they never fully admit, like, oh, yeah, she has this boyfriend or, like, husband. Like, you know? It's not like her... It's... Because it's just her parents making this decision. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, the father is, like, not involved. Yeah. Or maybe he just physically can't be in the room because he's got a gunshot wound to his tibia. Okay, but still, wouldn't her parents be like, oh, and how's Will? He's the father. Like... Well, yeah, no, I'm saying that, like, maybe he wants to be up there and the parents don't know about it, but, like, he would be up there if he could be, you know? 
That would be... You know what? Even though that will never be answered by Grey's Anatomy, I'm just going to go ahead and say he is because I think that that makes it even... More interesting. More interesting and more just... Just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible. In a, in a good Grey's Anatomy yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, Bailey being Bailey. We haven't seen this Bailey in a long time. Yeah. The... The... When she yells at... Uh, this is amazing. This, Brad. This speech that she gave to Brad gave me hope that the old non-mommy-tracked Bailey mm-hmm. is returning. Bullets from a gun that was aiming for you. And although they can't say it because you're the boss of them, most of these people at this moment are praying. Not that they'll live. Not that the pain will subside. They're praying to God for you at this moment to shut the heck up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I love, she walks by it and Will mouths thank you and she's like, no problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So fantastic. The old Bailey, baby. Thank you. So now we get the scene between Christine and Meredith. Well, This is what I live for. But it's literally just, again, Christine and Meredith just talking at each other. Like, I don't think either one of them is listening to the other. Yes, but that's what makes it even better. It's hilarious. Scenes like this are probably 50% of the reason I was put on Earth. Like, just to watch them. (laughs) It's fantastic. And then Izzy comes in and they're like... Are you talking to us? This has got to be one of the best scenes in the entire episode because I just love this when she goes, you know, he withholds surgery when I'm a bad girlfriend. It's his MO. I mean, how controlling and macho and petulant is that? And then Meredith, at least he's not shooting people or putting down dogs. I'm dumping him. This relationship is so over. (laughs) I just love that. Like, is, is Meredith really comparing a shooter to, to Derek right now? At least he's not shooting people. And then Izzy cut. This is brilliant. Catherine plays it perfectly. Sandra oh plays it perfectly. Ellen plays it perfectly. Yeah. She goes, uh, I told a lie to Dr. Burke. And Good then Christina goes, Good for you. Fight the power. <laughs> <laughs> By far one of the funniest scenes in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant. And she goes, No, I, I, oh God, I can't think. I can't, I don't know what to do. What do I do? There's a, Guy ahead of Denny on the transplant list. Well, he'll get the next heart is. No! He needs to get this heart. And it's like... I don't think Meredith and Christina, even now, are are understanding here. Well, because even Christina goes on and he'll get probably get a heart at some point. But as long as Denny's doing well on the LVAD and there's someone ahead of him on the transplant list, he's not going to get this heart, okay? And then Izzy just goes... Yes, you're right. Okay, thank you. Thank you. She just realized something. And you're like, and I don't know, at first you're kind of like, did she just realize like, okay, like Jenny's not dying, like it's okay, mm. like, and that's kind of, I think, what they kind of think. They're like, okay. We got through to her. Yeah. And then she starts no. grabbing supplies and you're kind of like, she's crazy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone ever thought that Izzy's mind would go to where it went. I don't think that, I think that most people thought like, she spent so much work and time and money and just effort to become a doctor. I think they're all thinking she would never, you know, she would never mm-hmm. like none of us would ever risk all that we worked for. But just to end out this scene, Christina goes, OK, if I was going to pick somebody who is going to go psycho and shoot up the place, it's Izzy Meredith. Totally. totally. Which is so ironic, because if I had to pick somebody to go psycho and shoot up the place, Meredith. it'd be either Meredith or Callie. Because Callie's like, you don't respect me. Meredith would just, like, abduct the people that, like, were mean to her and, like, just completely, like, 
destroy them to beyond recognition and like just like cr- throw them in a wood chipper and shoot them off the edge of a bridge. <laughs> yeah, like Burn them with like acid or something. Yeah. Like, something crazy. Do you think Meredith has barrels of people in her basement? <laughs> just like just pickled pickled humans. Anyway. Well, we did say that she would have Derek Derek's eyes preserved in a jar. Wow. That was a deep cut, guys. That's only for our true fans. So then just just like I don't even think we need to say this. Like I mean, this is for the audience's sake when she's like you need to get worse, much worse and you need to do it quickly. Like that's for the audience's sake, you know. Oh yeah. And then she goes, "I'm going to make it happen." And that I believe her. And that's as soon as she says that, you're like Holy mm-hmm. shit, how far is Izzy gonna go? Yeah, exactly. And you're like, crap. And then I think this next scene is interesting because really the only thing that's like super important is like, did you call Bailey? Well, she's not answering either. Cause why? It, I don't know why she's she not. in surgery? Maybe. Who knows? But I think the important thing that this is kind of showing is that really the only two people that I think know enough to stop Izzy and then also could stop Izzy are Alex and Burke because Bailey is busy. The well, chief is off doing something else. Well, and the no- chief is a, is oblivious just in general. We've seen oh, that yeah. a lot in the show. But like the three people that I think really know are Bailey, Alex, and I think Burke in a way yeah. kind of knows. Um, And you know, like they're like, Bailey's not answering. I also wonder if this is a symbolic line. Did you call Bailey? Well, she's not answering either. Is that like a sim? Like, is that like supposed to be like a symbolic line where it's like, well, Bailey's not doing what she normally would do. She's not answering. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's she's not being Bailey right now. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if they threw that in there as kind of like a subtle symbolic line there. So now. This is the first of two scenes where Katherine Heigl impresses me beyond words. This girl was born to play Izzy Stevens. This scene, like, it ends, and I feel like I pause it, and it's just, like, there aren't words. Yeah, like, honestly, to try to describe it, like, for us to actually try to describe it, I feel like would do it a disservice. Like, there's no way to describe how, um, like, how great this scene is. Like... I'm just going to say this, like, and I know I say stuff like this a lot, but I want you all to know that this is genuinely, like, almost objectively how I think. I think this is the greatest Izzy Stevens scene of the show. I'm going to one-up you and be, I think, arguably, this is one of the best scenes of the show. Yeah, I agree. Not even just Izzy Stevens, but, like, in the entire show. Because I feel like we have moments, like emotion wise mm. and like that kind of stuff because like i mean obviously like there's like more like interest like you know like there's bigger surgeries like the mm. bomb was pretty impressive but like when you put it down to scenes of like people getting like huge emotional speeches this one wins far out mm. i mean and like the next couple that come close are also done by katherine heigl i think yeah, and, you know, others do come close, but none can quite get to that, like, that degree of panic, that degree of emotion, that degree of, like, insecurity, lovableness. Like, you still, like, find a way to love Catherine The and desperation. Izzy. The desperation and the innocence of like, Izzy Stevens. She plays all those emotions on, in, oh my gosh, in, on like, her face in that one scene, and you're like, I, like, the first time I watched this, I remember, I thought the show moved on too fast. Like... 
I actually needed to pause the episode to comprehend what just happened. Because I was like, no, the next scene was way too fast. I remember pausing it and just being like, just sitting and staring at a wall. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan can't ask for a better scene partner here. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he could honestly just be responding to what Catherine Heigl is doing. Like, he might not even be playing Denny right now. That's just like, wow. So anyway, so we're going to read it, and I'm going to do absolutely no justice to this performance. <laughs> I'm going to completely shit on it. <laughs> so you're going to be Denny. Good. Um, Thank God. And Denny, please, you have to do this. No, Izzy. I'm not about to steal a heart from another man's chest. Not to mention, this will be the end of your medical career. I don't care about my medical career. All right, you know what? This has gone on long enough. I'm going to call a nurse. Everybody who has entered into the transplant program is clocked into the second. To the second, Denny. You were clocked into the second, and so was the other guy. I checked with you, Nose. The difference between when you entered the program and when he entered the program is 17 seconds. That's it, Denny. 17 seconds. I mean, it's not even the length of a decent kiss. So this other guy, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve this hard. I'm sure he does. But so do you. So do you. And if you give me any more crap about heading towards the light and looking down on me from heaven, I swear I will kill you myself right now. Izzy, I'm, I'm gonna be alright. Alright? You don't have to worry. What about me? What about me when you go to the light? Izzy. No, I get it, okay? I get it. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. But what about me? So don't do it for yourself. Do it for me. And then I just, I can't do this, this little part where she goes, or I'll never be able to forgive you. For dying? No! For making me love you. Like, how, how, I'm sorry, but like, I can't touch that. You know what I mean? She does the hysterical, like, so. Yes. And then that is what makes him agree. But like that one, that one moment, I remember I told, I told you guys, I was like, um, last episode, I was like, remember this line. It's that what about me moment when it's like, you realize how something like this isn't just about the patient. It's also very much about the family. And she kind of turns that she's like, what about me when you are okay in heaven, when I miss you? You know what I mean? What's going to happen to me when you die is kind of the thing. And, yeah. it, and she's kind of like with her, with her eyes and with her performance, she's like, maybe that makes me greedy, but I'm still like, I'm not ready to let go of you. Yeah. Yet. Like that's how much in love with you I am. Yes. Like, and I love this. I will never be able to forgive you. Mm-hmm. And it's not for dying. It's because like for making me love you, you know? And is this the first time Izzy said that she loved him? I think so. I think it is. What a way to say it. Uh. Oh my god. So good. And I also like, because earlier we got Dr. Han being like, 17 seconds, like, might as well be 17 weeks, it doesn't matter. Mm. And then Izzy's like, 17 seconds is all that separates you. And like, that's kind of what is like... But she also makes a good point where it's like, I, like, she's not saying that 17 seconds should be ignored. She's like, I get it. Like, yeah. look, I get that he deserves it too. But at at the point where it's down to 17 seconds... The degree of which that he deserves it more is just minuscule. Yeah, it's so minuscule that like, I, I like I like how they how they took the other point of view. 
They made it very much like Izzy's like, I get it. Like, he does deserve the heart. Well, I like how they kind of made both points where it's like, Dr. Han is like, it doesn't matter how much ahead of him he is. It's just, this guy, my guy's first, Denny's second. And Izzy's like, yes. And I get that he deserves it. But like, the amount that he deserves it over Denny is so minuscule that like, does it matter? And it's like, yeah, it's just interesting that kind of. And then she just cries and it's he's so. he's like holding her and i got some screenshots of jeffrey dean morgan and he looks like he's in like pain mm-hmm. watching it like tears in his eyes and she's just like full blown <laughs> oh my god i would like to take a moment of silence for my heart which just broke for my mind which has been blown and for my wig which is in outer space anyway so we go from that amazing just, scene again it's like i feel like we need to let it sit for a minute like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like moving on too fast would be a disservice to what Katherine Heigold just did. This could be my favorite scene of any media. Like, anything. I don't think that anything tops it. This might be my favorite scene it's in a so TV good. show, movie, in anything. It's so good. Go and rewatch it. Okay, now that we've taken that little moment of silence, we're going to move on. To George finally kind of putting Callie in her place. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, complaining about the whole Meredith thing. Yeah, like, as if almost he's going to, like, agree with her and make fun of his own friends. You know what I mean? Like, she's... It's, it's like she's almost, like, complaining about Meredith because she thinks that George is going to agree with him. And if, like, they have a common like, hatred towards somebody, then they'll get closer. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny because, like, she's just talking, and then George's just like, well, she likes her dog. And she's like, why are you defending Meredith? And it's like, good lord, Kelly. It's not yeah. like he was like, you're being an awful parent. Like, he was just like, yeah, Meredith likes her dog. Like, And then he's like, wait, what? And- <laughs> like, thank you, George, for being like, wait, what? You're overreacting because she is. And then Callie goes... I get Izzy. I mean, I don't. I mean, <laughs> fuck you. But if you want to defend Izzy, that's fine. I don't get how you can defend Meredith. And then George, like, basically explains to her what intern OTP is. This Which, is, like, thank this you. is the definition. I also love how he goes, we all started out together. Meredith, Izzy, Christina, and me. Doesn't mention Alex. <laughs> I know. That has to be intentional. We started out together. And then Callie goes, George, that woman hurt you as badly as anyone can be hurt. You were devastated when I met you. And he's like, hey, they're family. Izzy, Meredith, Christina, they're, they're my family. I can hate Meredith and I can be angry at her, but I'll always defend her. And then she goes, so you don't have to forgive Meredith, but I do. What did Meredith do to you, Callie? Exactly. Like, why does she have to forgive her? Is this, like, going back to last episode with the bathroom where she thinks that, like, see, Callie thinks that, like, Meredith owes her something. Like, owes her an apology. Are you kidding? Like, like, no. Like, if anybody, it would be Izzy. You know what I mean? And then George goes, if you want a chance to be part of the family, yeah. Yeah. I love that concept that George seems to understand. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just, like, Mm -hmm. he basically is, like, if you want to be with me. You have to take me with my friends as well. There's no either or here. Yeah. And that's what Callie's been trying to do this whole, like, since she was introduced, to separate him from his friends. Beautiful. And I I still am just like, really, Callie? Like, 
Meredith asking for medical advice about her dog is like George asking for medical advice about her dad, about his dad. Like, you know, it's, it's not, really not, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, you know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal, Callie. Yeah. Like, just... like it's not like Meredith asked Callie if she knew she always wanted to model. Oh, wait. Callie asked Izzy that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like, Callie is just so ass hurt about everything. Like, she, she every is. everyone's against her, you know? Everyone, everyone has it out for her. And I'm like, can you just be cool just for once in your life, Callie? No, she can't. She can't. She's, like, genetically predisposed to not be cool. So then we have this kind of creepy, super cryptic scene with oh Izzy God. and Burke here. And I think that there are some drums playing in the background here, which is reminiscent of the bomb. Mm-hmm. So, And Izzy goes, you should get back here with the heart as soon as you can. And Burke is like, what, what, are, you ta- what are you talking about? You know? And then Izzy goes, Preston. And I love how Burke immediately is like, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Because he, like... His mind, I feel like, immediately, like, jumps to that. And it's yeah. like, he knows that she's been overly attached and is like, what are you doing? What did you do? Yeah. And then she, like, goes and he's just like, what did you do? And she's like, I'm just going to hang up now. And you, like, can see it in his face of, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, he's jumping to the exact right conclusion right now mm-hmm. is kind of what it is. I also yeah. think it's super interesting because he's like, I need to go back to the hospital, basically, like, to stop him. Why do you think he doesn't be like, oh, like, call Bailey or, like, you know what I mean? Like, call someone else to be, like... To, like, go check in on her? Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean, though? Well, because... Well, maybe that's why they threw that line in earlier where Bailey's not picking up. Maybe he just assumed Bailey wouldn't pick up. Because Alex said she's not picking up. The chief is in surgery. So he just kind of thought, like, I'm the last, whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, you can call somebody else. You can call, like, maybe not Christina. That would have been a bad idea. But, like, you can call somebody. You're right. It seems weird. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that maybe Mercy West is, like, literally on the other side of the city, so it would take, like, a 10-minute helicopter ride or, like, a 20-minute helicopter ride, you know? But still, like, it would seem like something that you would do, like, I'm going to go back, but I need someone to, like, I don't know. Well, how do you like Alex here kind of reading in between the lines of what Burke is saying and defending both Izzy and Burke? Mm-hmm. I find it oddly extremely satisfying. Mm-hmm. Let's, I feel like one of the things that we forget kind of about Alex, like in his character, is like even though he can be really harsh and stuff, he is a very loyal person. And he's a team player, yeah. And I think, and especially with Burke, he's like, this guy hasn't done anything, like, mm-hmm. bad to me. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, and then I just like how intense Burke gets here. I'm going back to Seattle, Grace. You stay here and protect my heart. If that woman even so so much as looks at a scalpel, tackle her. Do you understand me? And Alex is like, with pleasure. <laughs> and Alex is like, yes, sir. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Burke would actually tackle her. And Alex is like, kind of all bark and no bite. You ever get that sense? A little bit. I feel like he would be like, I'm a wrestler. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Erica would just be like, No, I but hate like, you. we, it proves, like, yeah. it's proven that, like, yeah. he won't do but it. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Colin would just look at him like, Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Erica is not afraid of you, Alex. <laughs> so Addison's insecurity has now metastasized straight oh into God. anger. And 
The problem here is it's like what we've been saying since episode one of this season. Derek has been physically with Addison, mm-hmm. but emotionally with Meredith all season. And it's finally catching up to him. Well, I think it's finally catching up to him because I think the women around him are finally realizing this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I think that it's important to mention that the scene where Denny seems to be really in trouble is followed directly by an Addison Derrick scene where they explode all over the hospital. Mm-hmm. There's that metaphor going on. Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, Ad- Derek brings Addison in to see Kendra's parents, and I there's just, like, a lot of these, like, lines where it's like, oh, she could be talking about Kendra, but, like, me knowing Grey's Anatomy writers, I can tell that she's also kind of not at the same time. Like, when Mm -hmm. she goes, I do understand. I do. You think if you love her enough or love her baby enough that it will keep her close to you, but she's already gone. And if you go forward with this, you're risking dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's almost her talking about, like, her marriage is already gone. There's, like, the subtle, like, double meaning in what she's saying. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there, here we go. This is another like amazing scene. There's like five amazing scenes alone in this one episode. But when Addison goes, what they're doing is not about love, Derek. It's what it. Well, it's like you. Excuse me. Like how you pretend to love me, but really you're just using me to fulfill some need to you have to be a good guy. Thank you. Now is not the time to talk about this. We'll talk about this later. Notice how he doesn't deny it. Yeah, he doesn't deny it. And Addison literally just summed up the biggest problem I have with Derek in season two. You, what, you walk away, that's all I get? Just calm down, please. What, what, you're not gonna yell at me, call me names, or I don't know, ignore me in an elevator? What do you want from me, Addison? I want you to care. I sleep with your best friend, and you walk away. He comes out here from New York and rubs it in your face, and still you get a good night's sleep. What do I have to do? Oh, I know. Maybe I should go on a date with the vet. Because that seems to be something that sends you into a blind rage. Oh, wait. That won't work either because I'm not Meredith Grey. Which, like, wow. Which, that, exactly. Exactly. It has nothing to do with what you are doing, Addison. Nothing. It's the fact that you are not Meredith. And I think that she realized it. It's like, suddenly, it's not anything she's doing wrong or something. It's not like she's not trying hard enough. Or... Honestly, it's not like he's not trying hard enough. It's just the w- the simple, like... The way it is. Way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, she... And in this speech, she implies that he's been indifferent towards her since yeah. before Seattle. And that's kind of why she slept with Mark. Which we kind of got in an earlier episode when he was like, I was indifferent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that. You know? But the only thing in his entire life right now that he's not indifferent about is Meredith, mm-hmm. you know? And then she, like, further hits the hammer on the head because she realizes, like, she's the problem. Like, the fact that she is Addison is the problem, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The fact that she's not Meredith. Mm-hmm. And this pretty much is just, like, this moment right here is pretty much just the end of their marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I after studying kind of, like, the show and, like, trying to find the root of it, I would say that this right here, no matter what happens with Meredith and Derek or whatever in the future, no matter how long it takes for Addison and Derek to make it official, this is the end of their marriage right here. 
Mm-hmm. And I think they both realize it's over yeah. right here. Because I think the biggest thing about this is just that this is when Addison realizes that no matter what they do, mm-hmm. like, it's never going to be what their marriage was, like, before and all that stuff. Or before like Before he met Meredith. Yeah. Like, she cannot compete with this other person. And I think she's realizing she can't compete with this other person because that other person isn't even trying to compete. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And um, it's important for me, at least, that Derek didn't, or, you know, doesn't end his marriage for another person. It becomes clear in this scene that both Addison and Derek, they both end their marriage for themselves, you know, for their own sake. Because it's not working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically, like, right after she screams this, it looks over and, like, the whole hospital is just standing below looking, including (sighs) Meredith, which is, like... Christina, the chief. Super uncomfortable. So the chief isn't in... Isn't in surgery. So that makes me think... Okay, so that makes me think that maybe Burke is protecting Izzy because he considers her to be kind of a friend. Possibly. Either maybe he doesn't know, like, maybe the chief just got out of surgery. Maybe. Or something. Yeah. So, including Meredith, though. Ugh. And, like, I cringed when I saw this the first time. Oh, yeah. Because what is she supposed to do? You know what I mean? Ugh. There's also, like, these two patients that, <laughs> that, that are looking up at Addison, like, come on, lady, get it together. Yeah, like, what like, is wrong with you? <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Oh my god. They look like hillbilly fishermen a little bit. Yes, a little know? bit. At least the the guy 100% does. Yeah. And I would I just need to mention it because it would be a disservice to this podcast if we didn't They are yet again having a very personal conversation <laughs> very loudly in a very busy hospital. Although I think the best part about this is everyone is staring at them like, "Whoa, you're talking about something super personal." Well, also, I guarantee you that, like, the only people staring at them until that last line were, like, those patients. Like, the other people were like, yeah, this is normal. And then when she said the, like, because I'm not Meredith Grey, then everyone was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. You know? And Derek, I, you know what the, the, the cherry on top of that is? Is that Derek just walks away. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, exactly... What she just said. Yeah. It's, like, exactly what she expected in the worst way possible. Oh, I think this is the same bridge, the same, like, little overhang thing where Meredith and Derek are screaming about condoms in season one. Probably. Nice. Gotta love it. Yeah. So then we cut over to this short little scene between George and Kendra's parents. Guys, I cried again. That I love. Again. This is another one of those great scenes. Yeah. I- would you read George's speech? Sir, you asked me before if I had a daughter. I don't. But I have a family. I actually have a couple families. The thing about families, you don't necessarily like what they do, their choices and their decisions, but you stick by them. Right now, one of my friends, her boyfriend is dying. Heart failure. He's 36. I checked Kendra's driver's license. She's a donor. She's not a match for him, but she could save a dozen other lives. And from what I know about Kendra, what I've heard, I gotta believe that if she had the choice between where she is right now and saving a dozen other people, she'd save those people. That would be her decision. So the question is whether you stick by her one last time. I think we just saw some tremendous George character growth because he's no longer seeing it in black and white. He's no longer seeing it as like, Meredith hurt me. He's seeing it as like, 
he's rising above. I mean, he's taking the high road. He's actually one of the only men in this entire episode that takes the high road. One of the Thank only- you, George. Yeah, and, you know, Callie's also cruising on the low road with Bert. After weeks of George being in his little pity party, he finally found the, the little shortcut to the high road. And you know what? I instantly forgive him, too. Yeah. You know, it's not like I hold it against him, either. Because, like, mm-hmm. what he says is so, like, beautiful and true. There's also this whole thing about him, and especially him calling Meredith family, mm-hmm. just really kind of brought me back to a couple episodes ago when with Me- what Meredith said to him in that elevator and, like, the whole... I'm always going to be here for you when you look around, like, even when you don't talk to me, like, next time, like, if somehow you turn around and you need someone, like, I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of reminded me a little bit of that and kind of, like, that's what family is. And, like, you know, you don't always necessarily, like, like their decisions and all this stuff, but, like, the fact about, like, a family is that you're always going to be there for someone. Yeah. And support them. That's going to play a big role in the next two episodes as well. Well, next, you know, four or five episodes. But yeah, just George is the glue. You know, he's the loyal one. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And another interesting thing, there's so many, so many things in this one speech that you could like point out, but Mm -hmm. He doesn't blur the lines. I mean, he straight up calls Denny Izzy's boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, is true. Everyone knows it. But it's kind of important that George says it in this episode specifically. Because, like, I feel like even when the audience hears the word boyfriend, it, like, crosses the line in a new way. Mm -hmm. In, like, an established way. Like, the line is long gone behind Mm. us. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, George coming back... And for all of the things that annoyed me about him and all of his childish ways, like, he came back with, like, full force. And he seems to be one of the most mature people on this show right now. Yeah. And honestly, one of the strongest characters. And it's like, wow. Look at where he started and look at where he is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then we cut over to, honestly, like... This... I liked this scene with Callie. Yes, yeah, so she finally kind of comes around... And is showing Meredith some x-rays of a human that had Mm. bone cancer and stuff and just being honest. And it's, like, also her tone of voice just, like, you know, it's, like, she's not being, like, a jerk or being condescending. She's just being a freaking human being, you know, and talking to Meredith like a person. Mm -hmm. And I think it is important that it's Meredith and not Izzy, actually. Yeah. But that it's Meredith. Like, do you think... That people watching this in 2006 were like, oh, so maybe Meredith is going to like Callie after this. Maybe. I mean, I like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, she's coming around. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I don't know. But 10 bucks says that Callie thinks that Meredith owes her something now. See, that's... Like, I love this scene, and I'm like, yes, this is a great Callie scene. But also, I'm like, but knowing Callie's character, 100%, she thinks that. Or is like, I did this great thing, and George is going to love me now forever. Yeah, like, this wasn't completely um, selfless, is my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it was honestly probably one of the most bearable Callie scenes that we've gotten ever. No Callie tally. Ooh. I know. We got through like, a Callie scene without the Callie tally. It's like a litmus test. Can you get through it? We made it through one, guys. So now we're going to cut back over to our uh, our token comic relief, Deborah, 
and Neil. <laughs> I just love this part where Deborah goes, and whatever's going on with you and your boyfriend, maybe you should just try to forgive him. It really feels so much better than all that anger. And Christina is just like, thanks. No, she does that thing where she, like, her eyes are big. She's like, thanks. Yeah. Like, totally <laughs> going to think about that and do that. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Hilarious. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. And then even Brad comes full circle, too. Everyone is feeling so nice at the end of this episode, guys. Yes, the the false summit of this episode. We think that the episode's ending, and then Grace is like, see that rug you're standing on? So anyway, Brad is like, like I'm going to get you some time off. Like, make sure they keep your job for you, you know? It's not your fault you got shot. And then he goes, not my fault either. You know, I didn't. I didn't pull the trigger. Petey had the gun. And what what reminds me, it reminds me of Michael Scott. Have you ever watched The Office? I've seen a couple episodes. Where, like, he has these, like, cringeworthy moments where you're like, I hate this guy. But then, like, it's weird and he can, like, turn it around and just be, like, like, wow. Like, the scene that comes to mind, if we have any big Office fans out there, is that scene where Pam is in the art gallery and everyone's kind of, like shitting on her work but then michael makes her feel better and you're like wow michael's actually like a really decent guy yeah he's like a really decent person and you're Mm -hmm. like wow like you know Mm -hmm. yeah so let me cut over oh my god i really like this scene this is like this if this scene wasn't in this episode i think this episode would lose a lot and it is so Mm -hmm. short but it's like addison is finally saying it's like she she was is able to finally put into words what has been happening all season. It's one of those Grey's Anatomy scenes where it's like, try to do the exercise. Take out a scrap piece of paper, everybody. This is your homework. <laughs> try to write it in a more concise, like, profound way. You can't. It's like they summed up this huge, like, ambiguous feeling and storyline into one sentence you know what i mean and that is incredible good job mark mm-hmm. really great so i i want to read it because i think it's important mm-hmm. and addison goes i know what you're gonna say richard but if you knew the day that i had everybody in this hospital has those days addison and no one makes a scene in front of their peers which hypocrite everyone does in this yeah, hospital literally everyone does <laughs> get it together addison no, she, he goes, get it together. And then her face is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then she, then he goes, Addison, I can't compete. He's not having an affair. He's not trying to hurt me. He's just... The only two people who don't know that Derek loves Meredith are Derek and Meredith. How do I compete with that? And like, wow. Just let like the weight of that like sink in. Because it's so true. Because he's not going out of his way to hurt Addison or doing anything. Like, he's not, for once, not being a bad guy. (laughs) He's not, like, being intentionally malicious. He's not. Yeah. But what she says, again, it cannot be said in a more, in a better way. It's It's just, like, he can't help how he feels. Exactly. And he's trying to ignore it and be like, no, I don't, all that stuff. Mm. But, like, ouch. Like, it's almost like she almost wanted him to be having an affair. You know what I mean? Where I she feel goes, like that would almost be better in a way, like, to... For her to, like, internalize it. Or it's some... almost worse when it's, like, he's that indifferent towards her and he's not even with somebody else. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's not because he's physically with Meredith, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's also, it's not because, like, if someone's having an affair, you can be like, oh, they're this horrible person, and, like, it helps you get over it. It's like, it's not even that he's, like, doing all these horrible things. It's just, like, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And also, this is the chief basically having to comfort the Adele figure from a different generation. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's fascinating to me, but yeah, I mean, I there. You remember I mentioned it um, a few podcasts ago, actually a while ago, um, that there was a weird like documentary by the ABC News anchors about Addison and how like really yeah, and it was when? called like From Rain to Sunshine or something like that, um, and. It was all about Addison, and when it, it they made it because she was spinning off to a different TV show. That's why they did it. It was kind of like oh, like before she went off to um, private practice. Yeah, yeah. That's why they created it. But they went back from when she, the character of Addison was introduced, and they basically like went through it, and they had like a commentary on her. And I remember them specifically saying like, "This is like one of the biggest episodes for Addison's character because I think that this she one? Fi- yeah that she finally like." just admits to herself and kind of realizes that this is the end of an era for her a little bit, you know? And that, like, the audience also realizes that, like, hey, this character still has value even if she's not Derek's wife, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big moment. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so then we get the song Somewhere a Clock is Ticking, by Snow Patrol. Holy mother of God. And we have this super this short song. scene of just Derek and Meredith in the elevator and nothing is said at all. Mm-hmm. And yet you're like, oh my God. That was one of the best scenes. Yeah, of the whole episode. Like in an episode where every scene is good, this is one of the best. Can you read this little quote from the Grey Matter blog? Yeah. As for your marinere, that silent scene in the elevator at the end where they have so much pain and they can't ev- they can't talk to each other. Well, that scene originally had words, many words, but Patrick Dempsey thought it would play stronger without words, and he was right. The scene started out being about anger, hence the many words. But if you combine anger with love, you really get pain. The pain of hating someone while still loving them. We're told that to hate someone is bad, but if you love them at the same time, is it still bad? God damn. Which fascinating. Yes, I love that line like this is why he's a professional writer well yeah like you know what i mean like holy crap that was fascinating like when he goes when you combine pain with or when you combine anger with love you get pain i was like i had never thought about it like that but it's so true and then it's like it's like it's bad to hate somebody but if you love them at the same time is it bad and you're like wow yeah (laughs) dang like, just that in itself is, like, a philosophy question, you know? Yeah. We could debate about that for hours. Oh, gosh. And the fact that they were words, I would pay a certain sum of, like, gold to know what the original words were playing Because I was, this. like, one of the things that I was thinking about during this is, like, what are they thinking? What, what do they want to mm-hmm. say? Because both of them, in a way, had that look on their face of, like, I want to say something. Both of them even, like, opened their mouth. You know? You know? But, like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And there are a lot of times where actors don't feel strongly enough or don't feel comfortable enough to talk, like, to speak up. 
you know, in certain circumstances. And the fact that Patrick Dempsey felt strongly enough about this scene, I mean, thank God, because Grey's Anatomy fans can now forever debate what Meredith and Derek were thinking in this scene. And I argue that that's the point of the scene. To know what they're thinking is mm-hmm. not the point. Well, in a way, like what he said, it's almost more powerful mm-hmm. without the words. And with just the, like, looking at each other, like, it's almost like they kind of both know it's there, mm-hmm. but they also don't know or, like, don't know how to say something or don't know what to do. It's so perfect. It's just interesting. It's, yeah. Like, Ellen and Patrick get to show off their talent. And then it also lets this, like, eerie, like, paranoid music do the job that it's supposed yeah. to do. And it's a much-needed, like, silent, calm contrast to Izzy's mania in, like, the next couple scenes. Oh gosh, it's just, yes. like, this perfect transition scene coupled with the Addison scene. Mm-hmm. It makes it even better. Like, I I thought that scene was so perfect the way it was that I'm shocked that it had words to begin with. Because I was like, how could you make it any better? And I always thought that that was the whole point of that scene was for it to be silent, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's interesting. I like knowing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, knowing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And being like, Ooh, But also, it's like one of those instances, like, I keep bringing up J.J. Abrams as of recently, but he said mm-hmm. that, like, the mystery box will always be more satisfying than what's in the mystery box. Mm-hmm. The answer is never as satisfying as the question, you know? And so, like, the point I'm trying to make is that nothing that they could have come up with to have them say could be as satisfying as like the look on their face or even like you couldn't come up with anything that was as satisfying as a silent scene. And we don't get many silent scenes in Grey's Anatomy. Sometimes silence speaks louder than words. Yeah. I know. Some things just speak for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Grey's Anatomy season two, episode seven. So now we get this kind of short, kind of awkward scene where Callie just like professes her love to George and George is just like, ah. he's just like, Ooh. <laughs> oh God. And it's also, I like, it's so funny because, you know, she's like talking and she's like, blah, blah. And it kind of looks like George is about to like say something or like comfort her and be like, like, what would he say? I don't know. It's like, another one of those things where it's like, what was he you know? thinking? And then Izzy just comes in and is like, George, I need your help. And he's just like, all right, bye. Yeah, Izzy <laughs> comes in to save him and um, all of us as well. And he just leaves and Callie's like, ugh. He's like, yeah, I'll call you later. And she's like, sure. And you know, George, like, you know, he has to be at least 1% grateful that Izzy came in in that moment. 1%. Yeah, at a least. A little bit, yeah. Like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Callie is so much more into this. And you know what? I wonder if there, if the Grey's writers did this on purpose, had that like creepy music playing in the background and had it like sandwiched in between two scenes where things are very, very wrong. Is that almost them implying like this isn't right? I don't Like know. it wasn't this beautiful scene with like romantic music playing in the background. It was kind of like this weird, like eerie scene. Well, I think it's also supposed to represent almost in a way that kind of what we've been saying for the past couple episodes is that Callie is very much in this relationship and I don't think George is Mm -mm. you know because and especially with that where he's like he can't even say anything better to Callie than like I'll call you later like come on man Mm -hmm. like you know 
And that he's immediately going to leave his girlfriend after she, like, professes his love to him to go help Izzy. Like, it's important that it's Izzy. Oh, yeah. But start like, start the bullet points. Start the list. It's important that it's Izzy. But, yeah. Um, so now we're going to cut over to Dr. Finn Dandruff's clinic. And I can't help but notice that the angles in this scene were kind of weird, too. Like, it's almost like they're playing into the paranoia. And Meredith is kind of, like, frantic when she comes in. Mm-hmm. I think the way I read this scene is, could this be Meredith finally coming to terms with the fact that she will never be with Derek again? Partially. But I feel like we also get her realization of, like, she is not over Derek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what I think. That's why I think she's freaking out. Because she's realizing, whoa, I'm not over him at all. And I will never be with him. Mm -hmm. Because I love... The, like, where Finn's, like, hugging her. I'm so sorry. I know how much you love him. And you get, like, the scene of, like, her kind of hugging him back. And she, I do. I love him so much. And you're, like, oh. And the metaphor that they have been setting up for so long I finally think- pays off. Because the audience gets to see Meredith's face. And when she says it, you're, like, oh. Mm, like, yeah, it's yeah. It's not the dog. It's pretty obvious. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so now we get this scene. And this is Grey's Anatomy. You know, like... It's so good. This is Grey's Anatomy here. And I love this whole time, like, Denny and Derek are, like, talking Denny to Denny and Derek? Oh, my God. <laughs> Denny and Izzy are, like, talking and having all this stuff. And then George's just like, wait, do what? And he's like, do what, Izzy? Yeah, like, what are uh, we doing? I feel like we should say stuff. Denny, do you want to say stuff? And he goes, kiss me, right here. And it's just, like, even in it's- this, like, moment where your heart is pounding and you know something is going to go horribly wrong, you're like, aww. <laughs> And then I like, and then they're just like, George, I don't mean to be intrusive. Just give me a second, George. I love that. I don't mean to be intrusive. <laughs> like George is standing here, like, what the fuck is happening? And I like how when she, like that shot of like when she's in focus, and then she reaches for the scissors, and then they make the scissors in focus, yes. and he's like, wait, what are you doing? Like that? Like, yeah. are you really like doing this right now? Like, you gotta cut his hair. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And then the e- cut to the ER. Now we're going to get some real quick cuts oh my gosh, to build yes. up the tension. This, this is what I was talking about when, like... Because this is all, like, the last four minutes of this episode. Mm-hmm. Because I think the first line of her closing scene, of, like, the closing speech, Meredith says when her and Derek are in the elevator. Mm-hmm. So this is all, like, the last four minutes. And you're, like... From, like, Addison to the title card to the credits is probably, like, three or four minutes. It's insane. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. So, Brad leaves the OR. ER. The ER. Good lord. Um, and all of a sudden, we hear gunshots. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little comedy because Neil Duck's behind Deborah again. And, and Deborah, okay, we're done. But are they done? Because I would also like to start the narrative that they're just that couple that keeps breaking up and then getting back oh together. God, yes. Can't you see oh, that yeah. as them? Like, they're just like, we're done. And then, like, this has probably happened, like, multiple times. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So then you get this, like... Cause... I just like when when Will goes, PD. Like that. And yes. I'm like, oh, It's so eerie. And, yeah. I, and for me, I almost... I got, like, the eerie sense that I was like, is he going to come into the hospital? Yeah. Like, all this stuff. But then you're also, like, thinking, because it's really much implied, like, because Brad leaves and then you hear the gunshots. And you're kind of like, well, he was, like, they were talking about how he was after Brad the whole time. And so you're like, but maybe because he got Brad, he's done. And Petey shouldn't 
be one pd should never be seen no two you should never see him shoot anybody it should always happen off screen i like the choice yes like it's just because so it's much- not about pd you it's know what not, I mean? That's my point. It's not even really about, like... It's about the know. the anger. It's yes. not about, like, PD, and he shouldn't get, like, an emotional speech, and he shouldn't become the enemy. The sin of anger should be the enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's supposed to be... Because at the end of the day, this whole episode is about anger, and it's about Denny. Mm-hmm. And giving PD that kind of spotlight and everything would take a bit away from like the anger that we're getting with like the whole Meredith Derek Addison situation and we're also take away like the whole Denny situation mm-hmm. and so like you know this is the almost background of well again does it directly affect one of the five interns and if the answer is no it shouldn't be on screen mm-hmm. Burke being shot, which he is, obviously, mm-hmm. not really a spoiler. Burke being shot directly affects Easy. at least one of the five interns and Christina. It mm. directly affects multiple interns. And that's why that is seen on the screen. PD doesn't directly affect one of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then we're back at Izzy and Denny again. And they're talking like, you know, if I be and if I see some big glowy light, I'll try like hell to stay out of it, you know. And um, George is like, what are you doing? You know? And then she just goes, I'm stopping his heart, George. And that, like, I feel like for me. I feel like my heart stopped. Oh, yeah. Like, or like dropped. Like, you know, like when you're like your stomach on a, like a roller coaster and it just like drops and you're like, holy crap, she's actually doing this. Because like, you both don't want her to do it because you love Izzy. But you, at the same time, you're like, yes, girl. <laughs> yes. TV. For me, it. it was like the it. drop and being like holy crap, she's actually going to do this. Like, she's not just going to, like, make up some results and, like, get Danny this heart. She's going to, like, basically kill her boyfriend to get him a heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Like, this is what I want. Um, I love this. And then we... So then we get the the realization that Burke has been shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and it's just, like, this whole... That was shocking to me. This whole thing. Yeah. I never, like, put... I never saw that coming. No, that was the thing. And I kind of liked that. Yes. Because then it makes... Because then uh, the Izzy's... other characters never saw it coming either. Oh, yeah. Well, and it also... That... Because then you see Burke, like, lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you see Izzy's face. And then she delivers her, like, final line of, It's okay. Burke will be here any minute. And then she just, like, snips. snips. And you're like, holy... <laughs> like, can we all just take... Like, that, like, it snips, and then you see, like, the, like, like, the ending card, whatever. And, like, I felt like I had to, like, even now, like, I knew all of this was going to happen. And so, like, you're stopping it, and it's just, like, holy crap, those last four minutes, like, I got to catch my breath almost. (laughs) Like, But that line is the final piece. It's the final piece of the puzzle, and suddenly you realize... And I have a list, guys. You realize why Denny got the LVAD. Oh, yeah. And why they made a point last episode to show that the LVAD had limitations. Oh, yeah. You realize... And why they had to, like, they spelled out the whole, like, mm-hmm. this is what an LVAD is and yes. all this stuff. And you're like, this is weird. Why are they telling us all this stuff? You realize why they mentioned the gunman got away earlier in the episode. Oh, yeah. You realize 
Like, you understand why Denny signed the DNR. You understand why Izzy and Burke got closer last episode. Mm -hmm. You get why George has been forgiving Izzy and Meredith in the past few episodes. You see why George calls Denny Izzy's boyfriend in this episode. And I would debate that you even see why they introduced Denny so long ago in season two, episode 13. Well, it's also, you see, this is the moment in Izzy's career that they have been arguably setting up since what season one episode two when she goes a little bit overboard with her patient Mm -hmm. I can sometimes go a little overboard you know Mm -hmm. because like even in that episode where she gets overly attached and Bailey's like you can't do this and they've been setting this up since all that time and then they started with Denny and all of their interactions together this is the moment that they have been building towards for so long I appreciate and that I love writing. it. Yeah. I love it. Like, how can you not appreciate somebody well, that's I love, that dedicated? I love the like subtleties, like the subtle mention of George earlier being like, "Oh, I heard the gunman got away." And at first watch, you're like, "Okay, whatever." They're just talking, like you know, it's just a simple dialogue. And then it like comes back, and you're like, "What?" And you're like, "Oh, it's you didn't have to throw that in there, but you did." You yes. Know? And it's because they needed Izzy to cut the wire and say the line and have the audience know more than the characters know in this one episode. Mm -hmm. That is why they have been doing characterization since the first episode of this show. Because Izzy Stevens was created for this moment. And when you realize that as a viewer, when it all comes together, it is seriously a magical moment. Mm -hmm. It is like just... This is Grey's Anatomy magic right here. This is amazing. This is what I'm talking about. A lot of shows will not put in that that amount of work and foundation building mm-hmm. and detail. See, and there's probably like little things that we're forgetting that like mm-hmm. when we went through and we were like, remember this. Mm-hmm. But like there were so many times that we were like, you're going to remember this. And like most of those times were for this moment. Yes. And that's why it's so satisfying for us to get there in the podcast now, because I think at least once every single episode, we're just like, guys, remember this line. Remember this moment. Remember or this. we'd like have this moment of like both kind of looking at each other like, we really want to talk about something in this scene, but we can't because it mentions when Izzy cuts his Elvad wire and you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, I just really appreciate this. And I have to, I mean, there's no coincidence that Izzy also cut Denny's lifeline in the same episode as Addison and Derek have a marriage ending oh, fight. Yeah. I also love how like the screen goes black and they kind of bring up the like directed by or whatever. And you hear the like, flat line mm-hmm. i loved like the like small little bit of that where you're kind of like Ooh. correct me if i'm wrong but i think you hear the flat line and then you hear drums again where it's like dum, dum, like that i think i, I think, think it is so. like that i yeah. think there are drums yeah right at the end but i could be wrong so tell he, us if we're wrong yeah or we could just look it up <laughs> we could so are you good for that i mean yes are you really good after this episode though? i don't <laughs> You will always forget to mention something. That's what I've learned, oh, and, and that's that, what I have to make peace I with. I meant, like, soul-wise. Am I really okay after this episode? Oh, my soul is higher than it's ever been. It's this qu- is all I've ever wanted. It's questionable. Am I okay after this? I don't know. Because my heart has been broken and put together so many times in this episode. <laughs> exactly. But overall... like I'm going to need Denny's heart. <laughs> like, no matter... See, here's the thing that a lot of people don't seem to understand when it comes to TV, is that there's a difference between, like liking what a character does and liking what what the tv show does is doing yeah and like i feel like some people just cannot separate that like i've had friends that are like 
no, but like Izzy did that. And I was like, no, someone is writing Izzy. Izzy is not a real person. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where it's like, you have to learn to separate that and kind of look on a, a deeper layer and say like, why did Izzy do that? It's not because Izzy decided to do something. It's because the writers had her do something. Well, then I think you also have to think with this because obviously I feel like I think more next episode we're going to get into the like ethics ethics of mm-hmm. Izzy's decision and all this stuff and it's like yes what she did is a hundred percent wrong <laughs> like you know like ethically like it would be horrible like it's not a good thing but when you look at it in a tv show what I'm looking at is how effective the writers were in mm-hmm. coming to this thing and making it look like like it wasn't just like la 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 okay I'm gonna cut this out that and you're like it wasn't out of hell? left field it wasn't you can tell they that it's set been it planned. up so well they set like they set up that being kind of her like character flaw mm-hmm. since the second episode they had her give this amazing speech beforehand the whole what a what about me mm-hmm. where you're almost like. Like, I hear that, and I'm like, oh my god. Like, you understand why she did it, where her mind was. You know what it Like, it's not... That's I, how I look at it. And so I'm like, yes. Morally, like, ethically, 100% wrong. But, like, I don't know. But it's like... But aren't the best characters on TV shows always the ones that can be... That are human, you know? It's like, I don't want my characters to always act ethically correct, because that's boring. Well, and I think that's and you can't the really amazing it. thing about Izzy's character and all this stuff is because she admits, like, we'll see this in the next two episodes, she admits that she made a mistake and was like, that was wrong, and I should not have done that. I don't think that she admits that she shouldn't have done it. I think she feels it, though. I think that she feels bad that she did do it, but she would do it again. Like, I think she feels bad for how it affects other people, but if she came right Mm -hmm. down to it, I think she would do it again. So this is the closing speech. So what makes anger different from the six other deadly sins? It's pretty simple, really. You give into a sin like envy or pride, and you only hurt yourself. Try lust or coveting, and you'll only hurt yourself and probably one or two others. But anger? Anger is the worst. The mother of all sins. Not only can anger drive you over the edge. When it does, you can take an awful lot of other people with you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what that ending speech is implying. Like, like Petey's anger took tons of innocent lives with him, you know? Kendra. And, yeah, Kendra the bait. Well... We don't know if the babies, whatever. But still, even the people that he Brad. just injured. And then there's what Izzy did. How, and that's what this ending speech is implying. It's how many people are going to go down because of actions that she made. Of this one decision that she kind of Denny made. Yeah, out of anger. I mean, I don't know if it's anger, but it was definitely... It's. I feel like it's anger at the situation. And anger at the fact that he doesn't. he didn't get the heart. You know? Well, it's the, if you go over the edge, how many people do you take down with you? I think that's the part of the line that impl- that is, like, applied to Izzy. Mm-hmm. Well, anger plus love. So she's angry at, you know, the situation, the situation plus in love with Denny equals pain. Mm-hmm. And that's the pain and the, what about me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the standard that 
I don't think many TV shows will ever get to. So anyway, so this is another quote from the Grey Matter blog. And you know what? After reading this blog and after reading this episode, Mark Wilding, I have a new appreciation for Mm -hmm. you. Like, damn, damn, man, you are a fantastic writer. Yeah. And I have nothing but respect for you. So, and this is a quote. So, is what happened to him bad, meaning Denny? And more importantly, is Izzy bad for doing it? Is she tremendously irresponsible? She cut the Elvad wire for love, so does that make her action understandable? And does Izzy have a plan? So, it's not like she hasn't thought this out? Or has she? Is bad, well, relative? You see, all of these questions I just asked, they're the things we talk about in the writer's room, and we don't always have the answers, because too often those answers aren't black and white. They're gray, and they fall into cracks, and it's hard to get a hold of them because they keep just slipping out of reach. Here's another one. If you do a bad thing for a really, really good reason, is it still a bad thing? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And... He wrote this, like, on the morning of when the finale was going to premiere. Mm-hmm. So, he he goes, when it, like, I, he said, when it comes down to it, these are Shonda's characters. Grey's Anatomy is her novel. And we, the writers, try to get into her head as best we can. But at the end of the day, she's the one who should have the last word. And she will, in this finale. She wrote it. Yeah. Seriously count is zero. Which, like, how? I mean, well. Because I feel like if I was just, like, a tertiary character in this, all I would be saying this whole episode would be, like, seriously, did this just happen? I feel like a lot of them don't know what's happening. (laughs) Patient rankings. I have seven. I had five. So, my number seven is Chaz and Larry. They were mentioned. Shout out to Chaz. I didn't count them. My number six is Brad Ackles, which was his name. Number five, weirdly enough, Kendra. Okay. My number five is Brad. My number four was Neil and Deborah. I thought that they were so necessary. Like, I feel like if you didn't have them, a lot would have been missing from this episode. Mm-hmm. I liked them. That They were my number four as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, like, I don't think you realize how much you needed them in this episode, but if you actually think about it, it would be... Mm-hmm real hard anyway my number three is will i love will i can't like i've said it already he's jeremiah 2.0 to me i really do love him and that fan fiction that we came up with that he might be the father of kendra's baby would be fascinating yeah that would make him like even better Mm -hmm. my number three is kendra and i think the reason i put her above neil and deborah was solely because of the growth that kind of being on her case brought George Mm -hmm. and the whole like my family and this is what I would do and if I could re-rank I might Mm -hmm. because I agree with you my number two is uh Preston Burke because that was a shock even to the fans it was important that it was a shock to the fans because Mm -hmm. then and you know it's important that you found out 10 seconds before Izzy cut the wire because even before she delivers that line I feel you're like, like your oh, your stomach drops. Oh yeah, I didn't count him as a patient, but so that was those were my two that you had that I didn't. But um, my number two is Will because mm-hmm. he's great. Yeah, I also just the last when he goes she goes Petey. Yeah, chills like, every time. Yeah, great. And then number one is Denny. Oh yeah, because 
This right here, guys, like this episode is the reason that like we've been in love with Denny for this whole season. Not really like reason, but like, you know, like when I like said a couple bunch of episodes ago that like Denny was probably gonna be on my number one. I was thinking about all of this stuff and all the stuff that he's gonna bring, and then I realized that like, yeah, okay, maybe he wasn't, but like, mm-hmm. this is what I was thinking about. I think that you and I tend to look at things more from, uh, like a writing standpoint, more than like we. I feel like we have the ability to step outside of the show and to see it from a different mm-hmm. point of view, and I think if you have the ability to do that. I think you start to realize just how freaking genius these writers are. I think it also helped at least like me have that standpoint of because the first time I went through I didn't really Mm -hmm. and so I think now that I'm kind of going through it again like in full going through it again I'm able to do that because I kind of like you know what's kind of gonna kind of kind of gonna happen and so you can kind of take a step back and pay attention to other things Mm -hmm. and like direct your detention but like i just find it fascinating to do it like yeah I, every time i watch a movie or a tv show now i always think okay so why did they make that choice mm-hmm. you know and i feel like a lot of people don't do that they just mm-hmm. take what's presented to them mm-hmm. but i think it's very fun to do it which is hard and that's i kind of like kind of since doing this podcast i've tried you know, like, when re-watching things to take a step back, because it's hard. You know, the first time you watch something, you're watching what's presented to you, because you're like, this is, blah, 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 mm-hmm. like, amazing, whatever, and you want to kind of absorb everything. And so it's really fun kind of on a rewatch or to be like, I'm going to rewatch this again and think about it from a writing standpoint or from, like, the storyline and think mm-hmm. about it like that. And look for all those hints, mm-hmm. you know? Because for me, like, seeing all the Denny hints and little drops that they'd put in since episode 13 was so satisfying Mm -hmm. and like picking up on all that and being like yes and it's satisfying that this show actually did it because spoiler alert they won't later Mm -hmm. in the show they'll i think i think what happens later in the show is that they want it to be a surprise so badly like they want to shock the fans so badly that they kind of neglect their duty to actually make it seem realistic Mm -hmm. so that's like oh we're gonna shock him we're gonna shock him and it's like yeah you shocked us because it seemed like you came straight out of your ass yeah it's like yeah you sure shocked us and i feel like the other thing that this really had going for it as well was that it was the first one well and it's when i think they wrote this i think from season one maybe like whatever like early on in season one I think they were planning this whole Denny kind of storyline mm-hmm. or like that this was going to happen, which helps because then when they were writing things, they could add in little things. And I so I think they had like seasons one and two almost planned out, maybe a little bit of three. Debatable. Yeah, I, I would debate like and we can save this for a different day, but one, two and three kind of were planned. Yeah, because then after that, you can kind of tell that they were like, we didn't really plan anything. So like. At first, I feel like they tried to go back and be like, oh, we mentioned this thing in this episode, so we'll bring this up. Mm-hmm. And then I yeah, feel you like... you can see that in season you, four. You know what I mean? Obviously. And so, like, I think it helps so much that, like, these three kind of seasons were planned as a whole. Yeah, as one And kind story. of being, like, they knew where they were going, they knew what they were getting to. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, helps it. Whereas, like, then when you're, like, adding on, you're like, all right, we have this whole new season. We don't really know where we're going. 
we know where we've come from because we did that so well. And it's like, all right, but what can we do with this? And mm-hmm. it's harder. Every show suffers from that eventually. Every show that is hugely successful hits a point where they're like, we didn't expect to have this many seasons, you know? <laughs> we did not plan for this. Yeah, and you're like, I didn't think that my show would be this successful. And it is obvious every time. But some shows are better at adapting and evolving. Mm-hmm. And just because it's been on for a long time doesn't mean it adapted well. Fair. Anyway, <sighs> I don't have a make one change. So I think if you've changed anything about this episode, it would hurt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, they do this you. so well. Give Catherine a high Grammy for that. Or whatever. An Emmy. Emmy. I, think she, I don't know if she won it for this, but she has won one. So next week we're talking about season two, episode 26 of Grey's Anatomy. It's called Deterioration of the Fight or Flight Response. Written by Tony Filan and Joan Rader and directed by Rob Korn. To get in touch with us, or if you want to send us in questions for our season two overview podcast, which is happening in a couple weeks, you can at Grey's Uncut on Twitter. My account on Twitter is at Hazard underscore Emily. Becca's is at Anderson underscore Becca. Our Gmail is Grey's Anatomy Uncut at gmail.com. So you can send it in to any of those accounts. Our website is Grey's Anatomy Uncut dot home dot blog and if you would be so kind to rate and review us on itunes that would be a huge favor for us so thank you thank you yeah all right all right see you next week see ya